0: I'm Shane O'Keefe and this is Scoreline Extra. If you missed any of our sporting coverage over the weekend, don't worry, this podcast has you covered with the latest edition of Scoreline Extra, the 50th edition of it. It brings you some of the best highlights from Scoreline's on-air outings every Saturday and Sunday. On this week's edition of Scoreline Extra, you can listen back to interviews with James O'Connor and Adrian Mullen on ballyhill Shamrock's third successive Leinster title after they resoundedly defeated Kluck Balakala in Crow Park. It hear lots of IT Carlo voices in the form of DJ Carey, Owen Cody Pat Critchley and Jordan Morrissey talking about the Sigurdsson and Fitzgibbon Cup and the draws that were made for their Eber Hederman talks all of things Formula 1 after the contentious decision of uh, Max Verstappen getting the world championship David Byrne author of Kerry Game of My Life speaks all of things Kerry Joe Sheehan on Greyhounds as he always is what a lovely lad he is Alan Roach the Carlo Minor Manager and Jure Doyle the Carlo GAPRO joined us on Sunday Colin Cronin also joined us on Sunday to talk all things NFL yes it's coming up to the Super Bowl season David McClure our David Buggy Sports Star Motors Award winner for October on kayaking and Perry Williams talks athletics we're going to start off though with the only place really to start just a huge day up in Crow Park for Ballyhale Shamrock's Here's the voices of James O'Connor and Adrian Mullen.
1: Delighted. Um, looked there was a bit of pressure coming in here, of course. You know, um, as we all know, we probably had to be playing up to scratch uh, over the last two or three games. But um, we're still getting the wins, and uh, you know, once you're winning, you're moving on to the next game. Um, look, we knew it as a team um, that we had to come up here today and put a big performance and thankfully they did, you know I suppose, like I said it's someone earlier, you know if you poke the bear enough at times eventually we'll wake mm. um, and thankfully that was today,
2: is so it, it, is, is that what happened against Ryan as you got the fight of your lives and did th- today's
3: performance come from that maybe? Definitely,
1: yeah. um, 100%, um, like that day, no left it to the last 10 seconds to get a draw, kicked on extra time, back to the 15 minute again, um, you know played well finished the game well but like like i'm looking at that at training every night like if you were to ask me how they'd be on any given weekend i would say in great form so like i was kind of surprised they weren't you know performing like that in the games even though we were still doing enough to win um but like look we spoke friday night and everyone laid on the line players and management and we said we just wanted to leave leave the game in court park on sunday leave it there and that's exactly what happened James, full full deck to pick from With the exception of Joey being suspended Really the first time this year As you had the full panel Yeah um, It it, it was in fairness You know Like look You sound like Paddy Mullen coming in there Starting there today Uh, Joey was a big loss Now in saying that You know Evan, uh, TJ and Colin Were carrying injuries Going into the game I didn't know how long They'd last We took them off You know With 10-15 minutes to go Um, in that game as well but look overall we had a full hand which you know it gave a great balance to the team throughout so in that regard I was very happy goal touchback as well six goals today yeah yeah look any day I always think the Shamrocks are worth three or four goals in every game i are not going to score six goals uh, every every day, you go out. but like that goal threat was there again. We were running at the defence, causing and hassle, you know, putting them on the back foot, and that's what you need to be doing at this level. You know, if if if, if you are to win big titles, you have to be running at teams. You can't be walking at points out the field all the time. So, like, and that would be a lot of the training we do. You know, I would be always very attack-minded that way, and the players are the same. And that's you know, we I suppose we kind of suit each other really. A few long balls early and play as well. Didn't play a long ball all year, but you put a lot of long ball early on and you caused them serious problems. Look, this uh, in fairness to the Sharmocks they're, they're the type of team you can play any kind of game with. You can go short to long, um, and we change it according to, as well as the opposition on any given day. But uh, it's, you know, it's great to have a bunch of players like that. You can swap over and back, spare. You know, you can play with a spare man. It makes no difference. Like you know, they're they're, they're very economical in what they do. how is TJ?
4: You took him off just the second one did
1: in the the yeah, look, he has been struggling. He has been struggling, lads, for the last couple of weeks. Uh, uh, to be honest with you, just since the county final, um, he, you know, he has a bit of a groin injury, and we're trying just to rest him as best we can. But with the games coming, you know, three weeks on the track, there it was. It was hard. But um, in fairness to him, look, he's a fantastic man to look after himself and rehab himself. Uh, um, at a very high standard Like so But look He's a guy you now I, Look I hope now That we have a couple of weeks again Just to let him You know um, Settle down And just, just give him a bit of time out You know Because he's going non-stop All the time James is it a big deal
5: To be still going Into 2022 Being the 50th anniversary or so, Is that In the back of people's minds
1: It's a massive deal I'll uh, be honest with you And look, look It's never said to me Um up front being honest with you, but but I know it is uh, in the background. Um, look, it's my job to get uh, performance out of the team every single day. It's my job to keep them in tip-top shape, week on week. Um, but look, they're a club. They're they're a very proud club. They're a club that sets targets from the start of the year to the end. And like we wanted to be hurling, we wanted to win this game in 2021. Uh, finish out the year, winners. Now you know next month we move into 2022. You know, and that's another year and what a great way if you could start next year by winning uh, a semi-final you know, it would be a brilliant way to start there yeah. So what's
3: the champions
1: I think that's what you face next isn't it? That I'm not 100% sure I, no one seems to know that and, uh, uh, I was told it was the Galway champions will
3: yeah, find out tomorrow
1: so. Yeah, yeah you had the worst forty seconds of your life last week in Tullamore. You told me. You had the best hour of your life here today. I probably did. Like, and it's funny, you know how things go. You know, two years ago, I stood outside in the middle of that field uh, against Tullarone in the intermediate All-Ireland final, and I just said to myself, you know there's a chance. gone we're beaten by a point in a brilliant game of hurling, uh, and I said, like, I, I said to myself that day coming off, I'm going to get back here again, some way or another. Two years later, I'm back here again with the Shamrocks. Unbelievable story. Like,
6: Thanks very much. All right, that's hot, lads. Brilliant. Thanks a million. Thanks happy Christmas you. Thanks, happy
7: Christmas.
1: Thanks,
7: All right. Right. Thanks, Thanks man.
1: Adrian Mullin congratulations. It's another Leinster title for Ballyhell Shamrocks. There. there was a bit of class attached to that one. You- Clock Balakala put it up to you but she blew them away after the second quarter.
5: Yeah, thanks very much. Um yeah it was a great win on behalf of uh, Ballyhill. Um, you know we we probably struggled in the first um, first quarter but then um I suppose we stuck out our game plan and um, in the end we kind of opened up, you know, the balls broke and we we managed to you no know, make a stick on the scoreboard. So thankfully we got the win.
1: You got a few freights along the way, namely last Sunday, the Sunday before in Carter there was no fright today.
5: Um, exactly, yeah. Um, but sure, we knew we didn't really perform um the last two days, you know. We 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 went we got a big lead and we kinda of let them back in it. So, um once we got the lead today we, we spoke half time, you know, we don't want to give that lead away like, you know, so um uh yeah, we just stayed you know, the scoreboard taken like so um thankfully we got the win Yeah, yeah
8: great return. Six twenty three is a great finish to have.
5: Yeah, good scoring, all right. Um look we we're happy with the goals and you know the points, you know, the goals have come and then um you know, uh, we're, we're just delighted. Okay, you're looking forward to semi-final. So <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> thanks amazing. <laughs> thanks a million. <laughs> thanks amazing. Uh, thanks.
0: <laughs> Huge victory there. You can go listen back to it on Big Game Live, our archival games podcast. Lots of I.T. Carlo voices now on the way. DJ Carey, Owen Cody, Young Hurler
9: of the Year, Pat Critchley, and Jordan Morrissey. DJ Carey, IT Carlo manager. The draw for the Electric Ireland Fitzgibbon Cup has just been made here at IT Carlo in the sports campus. And the draw has not been kind to you, has it? Well, it's a tough draw, oshin o- to be honest.
10: Um, but, you know, the first group was very tough as well. Uh, we've got uh, WIT away in our first game. We've Maynooth at home in the second one. And uh, DCU away. So, three very tough matches. Very tough matches.
9: Yeah, WIT and DCU Docus Aaron Away from home Those are tough games But are those the kind of games That you relish That your team Will relish Because Those are going to be Big challenges aren't they
10: They're, they're big challenges Oisin and, and obviously You know DCU would be One of the favourites um, But at the end of the day we You know we, We've we have played Fitzgibbon hurling over the last number of years. We've, you know, we've we've had to battle hard, like every other team. Uh, it's a winter competition. It's you know the conditions won't be easy, um, and, and and we'll will bring a battle to anyone that we do play. You know, so I, I'm not sure. Like on paper, the draw is very very tough, but if you're in another group, it's still very tough because all the teams are, are very equal now,
9: no matter what the draw was. I guess you are just glad that it's back.
10: Yeah, look, last year, the year before last, we got to the Fitzgibbon Cup final, beaten by a pint. Uh, it would have been hosted here last year. We would have had a very similar team. So that was disappointed, or we were disappointed with that. And uh, now it's back on. So look, at the end of the day, we're in a country where there's a
9: pandemic at the moment. We'll be delighted to be playing hurling. It's as simple as that. And what kind of team and squad do you have for this year's competition or or do you know yet are you entirely sure
10: we're not entirely sure you see I suppose the IT's have a little bit of an advantage in the sense that you know to, 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 to do have apprentice, apprentices coming in after Christmas so we're not entirely sure yet uh, at the end of the day we won't be too bad we'll be you know we'll be there thereabouts in terms of numbers with you know anyone else uh, we probably won't have the, the big big names uh, but certainly we will be able to put a team together that'll be competitive
9: And and you know, I mean disrespectfully, not having a stellar lineup in the past hasn't affected IT, Carlo. You have come close to winning this. You've come just a little bit short, maybe, or have fallen just a little bit short. But there's enough evidence to suggest that no matter who's in your team, no matter who's in your squad, you can go far in this competition.
10: Yeah, and and Oshin, to be honest, it it doesn't always work out that stellar, um, you know. Uh, players or, or, you know, the well-known players will work out. It doesn't always work because in some cases, uh, and and hurling is a summer game, you know. So players will play an awful lot better in the summer than they will in the winter. So it's not necessarily that, you know, uh, this time of year. Uh, and no matter what to will be good players we'll have very good players we have players from Kilkenny, Wexford excellent players from Carlo Leash you know um, and and offley. so we will have good players they mightn't be absolutely household names but they, they will be good players To be we'll be competitive and we hope that we'll be good enough to be competitive to go the whole way
9: and we've seen it in the last couple of years if guys play well in the Electric Ireland Fitzgibbon Cup they generally tend to go on to play well for the counties and we've seen that with, with Limerick for example and Cork as well
10: Yeah I, I, I and that. I mean you know I, I was writing for a newspaper for a number of years and, and before Limerick uh you know we're winning all irelands I, I, I thought that they were a common team. I tipped them to win an all Ireland a number of years ago. Uh, I don't think they won it that year, but certainly the following year. And we know what Limerick have done. And a lot of that has come from Fitzgibbon Horland. Seeing these guys play, uh, they've been absolutely brilliant. Um, uh, it's been a pleasure to see him not pleasure to come up against him, but certainly a pleasure to see him uh, at their best. And you know, a lot of careers can be made at this level because. I think if, if, if a player is coming good at this time, that's when you want him. not necessarily being an underage star, because he may not always live up to that billing. but if he's coming good at, 2021, 20, 22, you'll have him for six, seven, eight years.
9: It's a competition you didn't play in as a player but as a manager I get a sense that you've kind of fallen in love with it a bit as have the family because your two sons have played in recent years as well.
10: They have and they've played against each other and uh, yeah it's, it. look it's a great competition, it's something I wouldn't have been familiar with before I became uh, manager um, but but I love it and, and going away to you know miserable, it could be miserable wet nights but the hurling can be absolutely fantastic, the standard is just brilliant and when you see a wet heavy ball being driven from 60-70 yards into a breeze and over the are. You know, that's a lot. A lot of people, including myself, you go to see skill. Whether it's the opposition, of course, you want to win a game as manager. But you know, when you see skill from either your own player or opposition, at the end of the day, that's 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 what you want to see.
9: What was the emotion like when your sons were playing against each other? in the electric car and Fitzgibbon Cup
10: well I don't know Oisín because unfortunately the same night I was involved with Carlo <laughs> IT in a game so are you wasn't... nearly better
9: off not being there uh, as a
10: father probably <laughs> yeah. probably uh, probably better off because um, I think on, on the same night maybe neither uh, Mikey played for UL and Sean played for UC, UCD I'm not sure either were in contention to go forward whereas we were in contention okay, and we got yeah. to the final that year so um, yeah so I was involved so three of us were involved at this given level uh, and
9: I didn't get to see the two lads play <laughs> but I'm sure there was a lot to talk about it with the two lads um, what about yourself um, look obviously when you were hurling you played a bit of golf to prepare yourself I suppose to have a hobby for when you retire from hurling are you still tipping away at that
10: a little bit not 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 as much um, but certainly I play a little bit I got to play uh, with Rory McElroy during the during the summer in the Irish Open Pro-Am so that was uh, a great honour to be honest so yeah look uh, it's, it's always nice to have something to fall back on but you'd be busy like when lads are grown up you're going to see them play and now that they are grown up you're still going to see them play and I was involved with Kilkenny with minor football and under 20 hurling and clubs so I'm not involved the only team I'm involved with now is is Carl IT did you
9: just want to give it your full concentration is that why you kind of stepped away from everything else uh, no
10: not uh, just wanted to take a break from it uh, when you're you know when, when you step away from playing the game and you almost go straight into management whether that's club level or county level um you're involved so you know continuously maybe for since i was eight or nine i've been involved with teams so it's just nice to step away uh you know Carol IT. I, I i like being involved in I'm, I'm an ambassador for the college as well so i really enjoy it uh you know it's it's only a few miles down the road from where i come from in
9: Gorn. And I guess as well. There's an awful lot to do when you're managing at college. You 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 know you you have to give it your everything. It's hard to split yourself five ways.
10: Well, it is. Uh, the, the only thing is, it's it's a very short spell, in the sense of okay, you come back in in, in winter. Now we didn't play in the league because of, you know, lots of, a lot of our lads were involved with clubs and, you know, it was COVID and you know so we decided, uh, not to, to play in the league and to concentrate on trying getting the team together for the championship. So, uh, it's it's nice. It's 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 very. Uh, compact, uh, but it's challenging too because you know, it's not it's not easy to get lads to train
9: when they're training with their own clubs. Yeah. So are you looking for something different when you're training them? Because obviously you can't maybe. Do the training sessions that a club manager would do Or a county manager would do Because they've owed their commitments
10: Yeah well we, we, we do a lot of talking It's more you, you know like mainly for, mainly for colleges or mainly certainly for ourselves Monday night is a is a training night But if you fellas already train or playing matches on a Sunday With their county teams And possibly having a hard training session on a Tuesday night as well It's, it's, it's too difficult to put it all together So a lot of it is actually preparing Uh, for the team you're playing against rather than actually the amount of training that you
9: get done And is that an important part of it or is that what is different maybe about Fitzgibbon that you have to talk the tactics into them rather than do it on the pitch and I guess lads are ready for that now because they're so used to doing video sessions and their brains are more akin to it now than maybe they would have been a few years ago
10: Yeah but uh, you know the, 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 the thing is at this level all the players know each other you know the the WIT lads will know the Carl lads uh, you know uh, UL will know you know all the teams know each other very well now Um, but it's just can you get that little bit extra can you you know can you get that little bit of luck on the night I mean in some cases you know you you could play a match and play against the wind and rain uh on a night uh and not necessarily be too far behind yeah and then you have that wind in the second in the second half to go on and win the game whereas if it was reversed you could you know so a lot of it depends on look on the night the the weather on the night an injury or two you know so you know we could be told by a county manager you can have a fella for 20 minutes and that's it You know, so that's that's the way it is. We mightn't even get a a player. You know, we could be told that the players are having a full training session with their county the day before a game. You know, so you're 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 beholding to county managers as well, and I can understand that because the way the um, the league is, the national league is structured, the way the county scene is structured now, it's a very difficult one. If you're playing national league and it's a very important national league in January, it's very hard to get the. The Fitzgibbon. So I think we're we're just gone to a point now where we're condensing everything and it's a it's difficult because it's it's not difficult on me as a manager. I'm managing Carlo IT, I'll be finished in February if we're to win. I'll be finished in January if we're not. It's very difficult on players who are who are possibly in college and on a scholarship mm. uh, and they're trying to make the county team, you know, because they're young guys, you know, so it's very difficult
9: on those players. Would you like a designated spot for this or just would you like if players are playing third level hurling would you like them to be exclusive to third level while the competition is ongoing or do you think there is a balance
10: well it's it's, it's
9: difficult because
10: you know um, the, the balance like you know we, we would have maybe five or six counties involved in our players but you know we can't tell Wexford would you train on a on a yeah. on Kenny or any other county, can you train on this particular night because we want Monday night to be free? Yeah. You know, so you can't do that. So it's trying to get the balance of the players that they're not overdone this time of the year because you know if a player pulls a hamstring or twists an ankle or hurts a knee or you know a grind whatever it is that could put him out for two three months. You know, you know. So we and and not just we in Carlo IT we as management of. The, you know Fitzgibbon Cup players we have to try and manage that uh, as as good as we can for players because we want to like I want to see my players whether they're Wexford Carlow Leash Kilkenny yeah. wherever they're from
9: I want to see them playing during the summer at their very best okay. and just before I let you go you mentioned there that you played with Rory McIlroy did you pay very close attention to his swing and compare it to your own be it your golf swing or your swing of the hurley or what way did you uh what, what like what were you looking at when you were playing at Rory
10: I played <laughs> I paid very close attention to his swing and uh I hit a great drive on one hole and it was about 300 yards I hit it and I'm not trying to boast about that but it was very good for me and uh Rory was teeing off 20 yards behind me and uh, he was 30 yards ahead of me off the tee and I thought I hit mine well so he was a good 50 yards longer <clears throat> at least, you know, after I hit my very best and possibly that's just an average drive for him so it's just, it's just something that's it's fantastic to play with these guys it's just brilliant um, the one thing I'd have to say is I, I do not understand when I see guys criticise Rory McIlroy I'd say he's one of the nicest people I've ever met, yeah. and and obviously had the pleasure to play with him. But what a decent, very very nice guy! Would you have made it as a professional golfer? No, why not? Uh, I when I you know when you see those guys, I, I enjoy playing. O'Shea, I, I I really love the game. I've yeah. you know played it since I was whatever twenty six or seven years of age. Uh, but but you know what? You you know your limits. You know, uh, you know how good you are yeah. and like at the end of the day I can hit the ball reasonably well but these guys can put the ball in the, in the hole from you know anywhere and uh,
9: you know that's you know I'd say I'd beat them at handball or hurling OK and that's good enough two out of three ain't bad DJ Carey, thanks for joining us at the launch of the Electric Ireland Fitzgibbon Cup here in IT Carlo, where of course you are the manager of the Electric Ireland Fitzgibbon Cup hurling team
10: Lovely oh, Shane, thanks for <coughs> that
9: we're here, outside the changing rooms in IT Carlow, where the draw has just been made for the Electric Ireland GA Higher Education Championships, on Cody of Ballyhale Shamrocks and Kilkenny, and of course IT Carlow, uh, you were at the draw here in IT Carlow, and
6: th- the draw wasn't kind to you, was it? No, we got a tough fellow group there. We have we have Manute, WIT, and DCU again. Um, yeah, no, that's not going to be easy. Um, Waterford this was local we'd join up with them in college and university but I don't think we'd be very um, very friendly now together when it comes to the Fitzgibbon um, then obviously Manu and DC were two serious teams as well so um, we might have the home venue but um, it's not going to be easy we'd have to work very hard to even be here and play here on the Fitzgibbon weekend
9: Are you excited though because this will be your first time to play in the Electric Ireland Fitzgibbon Cup it'll be your first time to play any kind of uh, higher education
6: hurling yeah, no, I'm very excited. Um I can't wait to play Fitz. Um it's a thing that I've always wanted to play. Um just playing the college and just it's it's actually it's a very it's something that a lot of the great players won. Remember Owen Reid always seeks about how he won the Fiskibon and I love I've always, I always want to win. I win everything I play and now I have the opportunity to win the Fitzgibbon with Carlo and I'll have this year and I'll have next year, so hopefully it's always nice to win the first time around, take a bit of pressure off. So it's gonna be tough but we'll give it a right rattle. And in
9: second year I think you were getting the college experience whereas in first year you didn't. How are you enjoying it and are you enjoying it even more because I guess at some stage or at one stage maybe you thought you wouldn't get the college experience and that's horrible for any young person not to get. And and that you know it doesn't matter whether you're a Fitzgibbon cup hurler or um, not even a hurler or a footballer or no interest in sport. It's just great to get the college experience. How are you enjoying it?
6: Um, yeah, no, um, last year of course we were, I was at home there for the year. I'm not able to go, even go outside, never mind, uh, go up to college and you know, socialise, make a few friends. And it, it was tough, because obviously I'm in a course with lads and you know it's hard to get through a course and you're not your really friends with anyone and we we're at home so it was kind of hard to you know make friends. Um, but this year then, up on campus there, and uh, I'm still I'm coming from home, I'm, it's a half an hour spin up in the morning, but I have lads friends in my course and my friends over the college there that are living up in the college estate. And uh, you know, just there. I'm friends with them, and then I'm friends with their housemates, and then I'm friends with their housemates' friends. You know, and just it's like that. You know, you're making friends day in day out up here, and it's such a small, close, you know, community of a college. You're already friends with everyone. You know, by the first semester here, you already know everyone in the college.
9: And much as you love hurling, is it good to make friends outside of the sport?
6: Yeah, I think it's very important. You know, just have friends in every aspect of the game. Like you know, um, obviously hurling, you make friends for life in hurling. But with your with your club, obviously you're living with them. The County. You're, they're from your same county but in college here, you know, you're making friends with people from all over the country, you know, whether it be herding or non herding. Um, you know, it's important to be friends with people from coming from all sorts of backgrounds, you know. Um, when you're a lot of people you're heard with have the same kinda headset, same mind, kind same growing up as you. Whereas you get to understand other people that don't hurt or you know they're more into other things. And you actually become more, you know, you become more smart, you know you find out more things about you know, their lives and things that they're into and, and you actually just, just you enjoy that, you know you get involved in things that they do as well, so it's good
9: And you're obviously enjoying life at the moment, you're into a AIB Leinster Club Championship final with Ballyhale Shamrocks this weekend, you're up against Klokbala Kala and of course with the county, you've just been named well, not just with the county, for the entire country, you've just been named the Young Hurler of the Year again how does that feel?
6: Um, yeah, I know I'm enjoying life, so I nearly had a heart attack at the weekend, so um you know, it's good obviously named Young Herder of the Year it's just it's an absolute uh, honour there um, especially because it's not it's not I, it's not voted by media it's other players around the country you know they're all get a vote and for them to vote me Young Herder of the Year two years in a row it's just an incredible achievement and I think it's something that I'll always look back on and hopefully I can push on to and yeah obviously with Bally Hale then as well two days there we had Sunday there we, we had started the game off brilliantly and um, St. Reyes came back at us and with the last book of the ball, they're the ones that are going to be going into the Leinster final this weekend. But just to look God, the ball fell our right way and uh, now uh, we have a uh, Leinster final look forward to it and hopefully a good Christmas.
9: Will you be recovered in time for the Leinster final or will you only really find that out when you step onto the pitch in Croke Park and you're into the game?
6: Um, no, I, think, uh, I don't think that. Yeah, I think we will be recovered. Um, I don't think it's a case of recovery, I think we're ready to go again. If for me, if the Lens final was the next day, we're ready to go again. It's You don't make excuses for Lens Finals, you don't say I'm not recovered. You go out and you hurdle the game and uh, we won't have any excuses on Sunday, that's one thing for sure.
9: And when it comes to Electric Garland, Fitzgibbon Cup time, you'll have no excuses either. You must be really looking forward to playing for the college. And um, as we say, it's a tough group. You're away to WIT. You're away to DCU. Jokas, Aaron, um, you're at home. I think it's Minuta's the third team in the group. So, you know, that's, that's, that's a tough campaign. But what you're excited about, I'd say.
6: You know, I, I'm actually very excited about it. Um, you just say we're away to Waterford, we're away to DCU and home to new if you be read because I, with the club and everything, I haven't got to even train with the lads. And just, you know, by talking to the lads and just by being part of the panel, I really want to get involved. And it's not easy to sit at back and I'm not really used to sit back and watch other lads, you know, train and put in the hard work. And uh, but I can't wait to come in and show the lads what I have to offer. You know, the lads are probably waiting for everyone to assemble together and really uh, give it a go. So hopefully the first, this game, you said Waterford, it's the other side of, other side of Kenny there. And um, i know the lads on the Waterford team. I'll have best friends on the DCU team. i know the lads on the new team it's actually going to be unreal because i never played against you no know, lads from Hale in a match before so i we be playing against lads from Hale, lads from the IPEC anyway it's going, I don't know what to expect from a to Do you
9: go harder against lads you know?
6: Oh i <laughs> we will yeah <laughs> um, I know um, I, I don't know I, I, I genuinely know what to expect like, you know you're training against these lads you know, with Kenya or with Hale, but to play a match against them in the championship match if it's game match it's not what to expect you know um, all the time you want them to be unreal go out and win the game score points score goals but I, I, this time I think I'll be hoping that they have hitting the ball wide and yeah no um, it's going, I don't have to expect from I can't wait
9: but you know all their tricks does that, and they know yours of course as well so does that make it a bit more complicated does that add a kind of a, an extra layer to the to the to the to, to proceedings
6: yeah it probably does but I'm um, yeah, not probably the best defender so I'll have to get, tell someone else how to deal with the, the forest tricks but um yeah, so we have in DC we have Adrian Adrian Mullen and Evan Shefflin there at Ballyhale and DC and Waterford. I Actually, I have anyone Waterford on the panel there now. But, um, and that, but that that could change potentially because yeah. the panels aren't finalized. Yeah, like true. Yeah, they, they that could be changed change potentially. But it'd be unreal there yeah, because even Evan, Evan's my own cousin, and he's playing against him in the championship. I just could end up marking. You know, Evan's a back. I'm a forward. I have best friends on the DC team there as well. Um, we play against some lads in the club but yeah no gonna we'll make it for an interesting competition
9: uh, you mentioned WIT there um, Henry Shefflin played for them won the Electric Ireland Fitzgibbon Cup with them he's now managing Galway what did you think when you heard that
6: um, I suppose I was shocked um, i say like everyone else and it, was, it was that day everyone was all talking about Davy Fitz was getting the job and uh, it kind of looked like he, he was, it was set in stone and next thing out of nowhere Henry who was managing Thompson at the time just, he was manager and that was it there was no going back and uh, you know uh, Henry he's going to he'll bring a lot to Galway they're a brilliant team as it is and you know Henry obviously managed us for two years there and I know so all lads in Ballyhale know what he's about he's a brilliant manager and you know if them Galway lads really buy into what Henry brings they're going to be a very tough op- opponent in 2022
9: Another Kilkenny legend DJ Carey is your manager here at IT Carlo I'd say you'd have worked at him before with Kilkenny and maybe Underage but are you still starstruck by him?
6: Uh, DJ, yeah, he was only as close, maybe he was hurling when I was only So I want to hear more stories of DJ. I watch back to all Ireland's all right and I see his skill, I see his hands, I see you not know, the things he's done. I think he was he was ahead of the game. Remember we talk about it the whole time, you know, we kinda we talk we all be talking about hurling and now players are this. But I remember I was watching back one T- DJ's I think it was one dollar Irlands there, it was against Offaly or Clare in one of the early thousand dollar islands and DJ's touch and his skill. It was just like it was kind of before, you know, his time where now it's such a like it's such a skillful game. Whereas back then the lads were lumping up balls and they were hitting balls, pulling the balls. DJ was solo and, you know, dummy hand passes. Um, he's just a brilliant hurler and you know I'll take everything I can from DJ while well, he's there it's a, it's a brilliant opportunity for me I suppose even for other players I've like had DJ Michael like Kenny Underfenty and Senior but other players are from Carroll I probably don't have the intercounty background to be coached by someone like DJ Carey is just incredible
9: Owen Cody, thanks very much for joining us here at IT Carlo for the launch of the Electric Ireland uh, Higher Education Championships, the draw made here today. And as I say, it wasn't kind to you in the Electric Ireland Fitzgibbon Cup. Um, you're up against WIT, DCU Docuserin and uh, NUI Minutes. Owen Cody, thank you very much and the best of luck with everything that's to come because you're you're very busy at the moment.
6: I'm busy, so on. thanks Oshina. Thanks.
9: We're here at IT Carlo where the draw for the Electric Ireland Sigerson Cup has just been made, and IT Carlo coach Pat Critchley. It wasn't kind, was it? Letter Kenny, IT. That's who you got.
2: Yeah, that's a tough one. Now um, we, we had a we had a, a very dramatic win against them two years ago in the semi-final. Uh, uh, it took um, a, an injury injury time. Goal for, for to win it. So we 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 hope we have a good game, but I hope, hope we don't need an injury time goal for to win it this time round. But uh, it is going to be a tough uh, assignment, yeah. But we're one would be looking forward to it. Uh, and uh, we 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 um didn't get to play last year, you know. So and uh, we we would have felt we we had a, a a very strong team last year I haven't got to the final year before but but then it's the same for every college you know that, that's just the way it was so we're really just to be back playing number one and and, um, and this game to look forward to now
9: we'll come back to this season's competition in just a moment but that semi-final you mentioned there in Inneskeen that was one of the the great electric car and Sigerson Cup ties wasn't it
2: oh, it was fantastic I mean, yeah um, Really, teak, tough game with good football, and uh, and just the drama of the the final stages of it. This was, was stuck out in people's mind. You know, um, we we had a uh, a. A, a, a win on on the road against the odds against Trilly in the first game, and it kind of gave us a lot of momentum. And um, had a very good win against UL in in the uh, quarter final. Uh, they, they had beaten us pretty uh, pretty heavily the year before in the quarter final, so it was great to reverse that uh, that result. And um, and then uh, Kenny was a fabulous win for us. Uh, uh, unfortunately, D. C. were were are stronger than us on the night uh, in the final, you know. Uh, but um, it was a great run for the lads, and uh, some great memories from from that year.
9: If it was a club championship final that you lost, or a inter-county competition final that you lost, you would say, "Well, you know what? We can pick it up where we left off the following season." The nature of college football is that maybe you, you can't do that and you can't build off the momentum of what you did in the last competition because of two reasons one it didn't happen last year because of Covid the and Cup that is and two obviously there'd be a big turnaround in, in, in players and a lot of the players who were involved then would have moved on and you've got a, a new bunch in but does getting to the final in the last competition that was held give you a bit of positivity? Does it give you a bit of confidence? Does it give maybe a bit of belief to the lads who are in the squad at the moment that this college has done it before and has come close before and maybe they can do it again?
2: Yeah, well, it's like, um, uh, had it been playing la- last year, we wouldn't have had a lot of turnover. We, we basically, we had almost the same team back and yeah. we would have had even a few strong additions. Um, uh, but uh, but there's the turnover of two years now, you know. Uh, at the same time, there, there's a nice nucleus of the lads that were with us on that campaign, and and uh, there's a little bit of connectivity there with them. Um, not just for kind of game plans, sort of, but but just for the confidence that they got from that, and uh, and the ambition that it gives uh, the guys as well, you know. And uh, the, the newer younger guys got to feed into that, and and uh, and and try and get momentum from that also.
9: And DJ was saying that there are times where he can't train these lads a whole pile, but what he can do is sit down and talk about tactics and plans. Is it similar with you in the football? Maybe you don't get access to them for training, but you can talk to them about tactics and game plans and all that.
2: You know, you have the split season this year now for the first, and and it's actually a split season that's a month behind time. So we found it very difficult to get the guys... um, you know, because listen, they're involved with their clubs and it's the end of championships and that's just the way it is. And uh, then you have county and under 20 coming in, some counties have under 23 competition. So it has been difficult that way now to try and get them. Uh, together, but we're hoping to get a nice run out from. From um, we'll, we'll be trying later on this evening, now, and uh, fr- from this on, we're hoping to get a, a nice run out and try and get 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 our, our game plan up and running and get confident about it, and uh, and and just get the the culture that we developed, uh, you, you know, of hard work and uh, working together as as, as a group. Um, over the next uh, number of weeks so that's all we have left the last couple of weeks uh, in the build up
9: and do you have to kind of react to the squad that you have or do you have a philosophy and you or do you have a philosophy that you impose regardless of the playing group yeah, well, well we
2: we developed we, we developed, um, we, we developed a, a game plan a way of way of playing and uh, from year one to year two we tweaked it you know and we learned from 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 the games that we played, and uh, you know, from the 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 UCC game that first year, compared to the year year that that uh, that we played them this the second year, and also you got to tweak things with regard to individual players you have within that as well, you know. Um, unfortunately, one of one of our, our um, top performers, uh, even though he was very young at the time, Kane Farrell has done his cruciate, so he won't be available to us this year. Um, but uh, you know, Kane was a really strong flair player, player, and and, and if you've got to allow that flair within within any system, you've got to allow, allow players uh, that that, um, that individualism within within the overall plan.
9: Yeah. Do you notice maybe a difference between lads who are from counties that probably won't win All-Irelands in the next couple of years? You never know long-term, but we'll say, for example, you'd have a lot of lads from Carlow and Leash. Um, do you notice that Sigerson is maybe even more important to them because they're not going to have the success of a, a Dublin or a Kerry or a Tyrone? You yeah, well,
2: probably from 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 mainly the counties that, that we're drawing from, um, that that run in the Sigerson, is 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 a huge part of their sporting career. You know, like, uh, mm. and um, uh, hopefully they will get runs like that uh, with with their counties and and with their clubs uh, in the years to come. Um, but 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 some of them won't. You know, and that's just the reality of, of it. But uh, when they come together here and and uh, come together as a unit and. Um, to uh, To and challenge uh, the the top teams and you, you know and that year you're, you're playing against the 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 Cliffords and the O'Sheas and you, you know and uh, coming out with them, it's, a, it's a great feeling for them and yeah. gives them a, a great a boost of confidence and 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 it helps all those players in their development as players you know ultimately we're trying to develop players uh, uh, as well as uh, the overall performance of the team you know like uh, I, I know um, in, in my, own, my own case at times we didn't get huge success with Leish regarding Leinster so, uh, but, but Portleish would, would have would have um, performed really really well at Leinster and won an All-Ireland club and um, and the whole county would follow uh, mm-hmm. Leash as to would be following Port Arlington and Cloughballacalla this coming weekend and uh, and it does give the whole county a lift uh, when that happens, and and uh, similarly with uh, Carlo IT, you know, when the players come together and they can go up against the big fish and and get success, like it, it, it is, it is a great journey for them.
9: And there was a great atmosphere for the two finals that IT Carlo quali- qualified for in recent years, both the uh, Electric Garden Sigerson and Fitzgibbon Cup finals. Just before I let you go. Pat, how delighted and maybe even relieved are you that these young fellas are actually now getting the college experience because there was a while we weren't sure if they would get that experience and it's such an important thing for them both in a, in a footballing sense but also just a, a general life sense.
2: I, I mean, like, um, it, it it is very hard not to be able to 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 get to college and and to and to live college, and and then to be off to sport and fields. like uh, uh, sport is such an important part of the fabric of life in Ireland. Like uh, we Irish love our sport and 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 also the uh, the social end of being in college. Like uh, you know, I went to Turlough College and we, we we left in 1983 and there's a group of us uh, 12, 13 lads we get together once a year and when you meet in the car park um, it's as if we're still back in college you know like
9: Some famous names in that group I'd the, say is there? The,
2: yeah <laughs> and, the, and the crack and the slagging uh, uh, it, it was as if we're, we're back there and that's 40 years ago <laughs> almost yeah. now at the moment so that, that that's, that's the great thing about uh, college life and the friends that you make uh, from um, being involved uh, not just in the college but in the sport of the college as well you know so it's brilliant to have that back.
9: Well, Pat, as this darkness descends over the very fine sports facilities you have here in IT Carlow, um, I just want to thank you for joining me and talking at the launch of the Electric Ireland, Fitzgibbon and Sigerson Cups and all, of course, the higher education competitions. best of luck to you and IT Carlo this season. Thanks very much. Jordan Marcy of DCU Docus Aaron, Aero Og and of course Carlo we're here in IT Carlo for the Electric Ireland Sigerson Cup draw DCU Docus Aaron have got NUI Minus that's a that's a pretty tough one
4: yeah it is a, it's a difficult enough draw there I know the guys played them in the league uh, part of the campaign there not so long ago I think it may have been a quarter final and um, from what I know I wasn't at the game but it was a relatively tight affair and um, so I'm sure teams might be a little bit different come the first round of Sigurdsson. Um You never really know who you have until, I suppose, with county panels and club games and things like that. But um, yeah, I'm sure it'll be a tight affair no matter what. And something that I suppose we're looking forward to.
9: You've had great success with your club. You play county and you love the two of those. But what is it about the Electric Ireland Sigerson Cup that you also love? Because I know you think it's a bit special, don't you?
4: Yeah, I suppose I think it's just the opportunity to play with guys you never would play with other than other than in college and um, I think that's just something that's special about it it's such a short time frame and you only have a real quick time to get to know people kind of bond with each other and I suppose I think teams that can achieve that the quickest are, are the ones that generally gain success, like the tighter your group, the better you are. I don't think it's about individual talents as such, obviously it helps, but I feel like a a strong team kind of ethos is is very, very uh, important in such a a competition that you don't have very long to to build these, I suppose, tactics and structures. A lot of it is about a bit of camaraderie and that kind of community feel about your college and going forward, I just think it's something special and you gain friendships and memories for life over it.
9: And you'd get those friendships and memories even if you were beaten in the first round because you go to college with these people, you train with them and you get to know them. But you were lucky enough to win one. How did that feel at the time? And even now, looking back on nearly two years on, has it even grown in significance to you as an achievement?
4: Yeah, I don't know. I've grown yet. I suppose you don't want to as a as a player, you don't want to dwell on things that you you achieve too much because I feel like if you think about things and get bogged down in that, you might get a bit somewhat complacent about what you've already won. But um, I think I'm I'm much more like of a forward thinker, and I'm always kind of thinking about what's next on the agenda and what can you can you can you achieve next, and what's suppose what's next on your list? That, what do you want to do with yourself, and how do you want to I suppose improve yourself? But what I would say is that. Obviously, it is something that is very special, and not many people get to get to experience it. And I think when you do succeed with people, it obviously does strengthen your relationships because you have something that in common, and something that's very special, and something that you can hold with each other going forward. And it maybe maybe it might only have that significant that real kind of I don't know the word I'm looking for something that's very I suppose you can cherish it in years to come when you reflect on it back then maybe then you'd sit back and think like, wow that really was something special
9: you, But correct me if I'm wrong on this right people will refer to Carlo as one of the weaker counties the fact that you've won a major competition with the best players out there does that kind of set something off in your head that you know what this county shouldn't be referred to as a weaker county because I and many other Carlo people, well, I don't know how many other Carlo people, I'm sure you're not the only one, have done this. So we're, we're as good as anyone. And do you hope that other lads from this county and your club look at you and say, well, if he can do it, I can do it. And even if I don't specifically do that, I shouldn't think of myself as lesser because of where I'm from.
4: Yeah, and I think that's something that's really important. Like My mindset would be that I would never really view myself as inferior to any other footballer on a personal level. Uh, and I suppose if you do, if if you ever think yourself like that, and especially to younger people, you shouldn't really because on an individual level, if you don't kind of think you're you're a one of one someone that can compete and and mark up against these guys, uh, and share the pitch with them, like it's not as if you're you're still a footballer at the end of the day, and there's still fifteen people v fifteen people. Um, but one thing I would say is you can learn a lot from how those kind of perceived guys from the bigger counties carry themselves and in their preparation and their professionalism and it's something that i feel you can bring back to carlo and bring back to your club we're obviously very professional in how we do things as well but you you can learn from everyone and you can gain an insight onto, onto how other people perform and things like that which is very important but I think that word, that term, I suppose weaker counties, is something that's thrown around a lot. And how to change that, I don't know. It can be it's just something. It's very difficult, and it's not something that happens overnight. Um, obviously, I don't know championship structures and things like that. Uh, things that players don't necessarily have much of a say in. But obviously. A lot of it comes down to, I suppose, pers- personnel and things like that as well. Population. There's a lot. There's a lot of variables there that that aren't necessarily controllable by individuals. But what individuals individuals can control is how they conduct themselves and how they, I suppose, carry out their th- the things they should be doing on and off the field. And I suppose that's all you can really c- can focus on. And if you do that to the best of your ability, I think that's very important.
9: I'm just trying to imagine the look on your old county manager Turlock's face if he heard me using the term weaker county and referencing Carlo, he wouldn't like it at all. And I understand where he's coming from. The man is drive and ambition. Um, You mentioned there that playing with players from counties that are regular All-Ireland winners or that win All-Irelands regularly and they're kind of up there competing all the time at the top has maybe changed you or you've learned from those players. Is there anything specific that you learn from them? Is there anything specific that you look out for? Is there anything specific that's kind of... Is there any specific things they do differently to what players from other places might do?
4: I don't think there's that, and that's individually. And when I say learn from it's something that I think you can learn from from everyone <laughs> in one way, one way or another. Like you can pick up things off every people uh, off anyone, uh, on how to improve yourself. But like some things, maybe I don't know whether it's just maybe punctuality or things what they're doing to to get ready to get onto the pitch before you might even set step, step foot on the pitch and then staying back maybe a bit longer like it's not it's not things that I'm not doing back in my own club but maybe it's the manner in which you do it everything is done with intent um, and with purpose and I suppose suppose you can just pick up these things you can kind of gain an insight into the professionalism and something that I, I, I would try to conduct myself as someone that's very professional and, and try to do things to the best of my ability but seeing other people do it it kind of creates that I suppose that ethos and that kind of community kind of good professional uh, environment and it's something that I kind of thrive in and I really I really enjoy that kind of professionalism
9: And finally this is your last year in college you're doing a Masters I imagine at one point you thought you wouldn't get another crack at an Electric Garden Sigerson Cup campaign because well the world stopped for a while for the reasons that everyone knows about and they're sick, he- sick of hearing about but how glad are you to get another go and how much has that changed your attitude towards it are you even more determined are you even more excited now? Yeah
4: look obviously I can't wait to get back on the pitch um and I'm, I'll be sharing it with quite a new quite a lot of new faces but um something that's just such a really special competition um, I really enjoy it and the fact that we did miss out on it last year uh, I think it probably has everybody itching to be back out but I think that's kind of the same with a lot of things in life because it's not just sport that has stopped a, a lot of people's livelihoods and things like that have been stopped and have been kind of well yeah, stopped dead in, in their tracks but um, to get the opportunity to be back out and playing and sharing the field with people I just feel like sport and it's definitely sport in, in college is very important to bring people together uh, and people enjoy it whether it's watching it or being involved or playing there's a lot to be gained from it especially from a college point of view and that community kind of point of view so I'm really looking forward to having that buzz back around the place and yeah, I think it's going to be great great for the beginning of the next year
9: Jordan thank you very much you know what you've just overtaken Willie Quinlan as my favourite man, and Sean Gannam is tied for second with Willie so how does that feel?
4: I <laughs> think You're being very nice to me there I think
9: <laughs> Jordan Morrissey thank you very much for joining us at the launch of the Electric Ireland Sigerson Cup for 2022 you have been uh, drawn against NUI Minutes it's going to be a very tough game but uh, the very best of luck to you and uh, DCU Ducks
4: sharing thanks Ogie thanks next million
0: slightly switch our attentions now to F1 yes Mercedes and Red Bull all that kerfuffle that was going on in the past while Emer Hederman chats with Robbie Dowling about it
7: One sport that didn't get cancelled, of course, last week was the Formula One. Vax for Staff been going past seven-time world champion Lewis Hamilton to claim his first world championship in the most dramatic of circumstances and delighted to be joined on the line now by Formula spy journalist Emer Hederman to talk all things F1 and what this means going into 2022. Emer, how are you?
11: I'm very well. How are you
7: doing? Very good, thanks very much. Uh Emer. The the race last week is the only place to start and I suppose <laughs> most people start at the beginning. I'm gonna start at the end, that final lap. Um what's your opinion on it, Emer? should it have happened? A lot of controversy over it. was the ruling by FIA director Michael Massey completely incorrect or was it done for the good of the sport because it has drawn a lot of attraction whether people like it or not? Yeah, it's it's a tough
11: one to call. It was I mean great for drama. Um You can't deny that. It was very dramatic. Um, The thing is, if Massey had... He could have stopped the race, red flagged it, and they could have done then a few laps sprint when the track was clear. That would have meant that Hamilton could have changed tyres and most likely, as he had done for most of the race, would have pulled ahead and easily won it. Or, if the track had been clear, send the uh, lapped cars through the lap before. The safety car could have come in when it did yeah. and there would have been no problem with anything. The thing Mercedes didn't like was that only five of the eight cars were allowed through. The, f- the five between Hamilton and yeah, this
7: was, a, this was a serious cause for contention all week for people yeah. maybe that don't know emer C- Could you explain to our listeners why that was so um, kind of vehemently... Um, gone against by, by Toto Wolff, uh, the principal at, at Mercedes and by Lewis Hamilton because they were completely against this idea that five of the cars could pass but the other three couldn't because it was a question yeah. of fairness and balance, wasn't it?
11: Yeah, I mean, I don't understand why the other three could have easily gone past. But anyway, what Massey thought was that the reason they have that rule to get the lap cars out of the way was so they wouldn't interfere with the leaders. Yes. So he thought was... Get these five that are between the leaders, and we will have the leaders
7: racing. What well, was that right, though, Emer? Sorry, sorry to butt in again, though. But <laughs> a, a lot, a lot of people, like myself included, I must say, I was absolutely drawn to it. I couldn't keep my eyes off at this one mm-hmm. lap race shootout between the two best racers in the world and the two best cars in the world. It was absolutely incredible, and a fitting conclusion. You could argue to a, to an incredible season of F1. Mm-hmm. But was it right in a sporting sense?
11: It is in the rules. That's what we do. We we let the lap cars through so that they don't get in the way. Okay. But getting only the ones between them is where the problem has been found. Yes. I mean, the teams had all agreed previously that getting to green flag racing and not finishing under safety car conditions was the preferred way to finish races. Yeah. So it would have been a much more difficult lap if there were five five cars trying to get out of the way of Verstappen, possibly getting in the way, and Hamilton driving off as best he could on old tyres.
7: Yeah, of course, and and I think that, that was the main the main thing that a lot of people got out of it. They were blaming Verstappen and Red Bull for what happened, but of course, it was completely out of both teams' hands. It was the decision made by FAA director Michael Massey. He decided mm-hmm. that this is how they were going to do it. Um, just looking at it, Eimer, do, do you think ultimately I suppose look a lot of fallout from the race itself and the decision maybe brushed away? Just the fact that Max Verstappen is the world champion crowned it, of course, on Thursday night when Lewis Hamilton and Total Wolf didn't turn up at the gala that did mm-hmm. um, confirm Lewis uh, or Max Verstappen rather as the champion. Did, did he deserve to be world champion, ultimately, or Do you think he's had a good enough year? He's won the most races. He's definitely been the biggest challenger to Hamilton since Rosberg in 2016. Did ultimately, was it the right conclusion, maybe in the wrong way for a lot of people, or was ultimately what happened, while there is a lot of contention around it, was the right way to go about it from Massey's point of view?
11: Yeah, I, I think over the course of the season, Verstappen deserved to win. He He, other than one race all the races that he took the chequered flag, he was either first or second.
7: Yeah. Yeah.
11: And, like, Hamilton deserved to win that race, but Verstappen deserved to win the championship.
3: That's, that's, that's where the contradiction race, is, isn't it? Very yeah. <laughs> yeah.
11: Um, he, I think they've both had bad luck, but I think on the course of it, Verstappen has had more bad luck, but managed to do really well over the year.
7: I, I understand you, but do you think maybe that was actually part of the reason? I think that's an interesting point where that had it been Verstappen alluded to this himself, he can kinda of Hamilton concussion of the blow by the fact that he's a seven time world champion. <laughs> Whereas if Verstappen hadn't have won I mean, this guy's a prodigy, he's been touted as a world champion for a long, long time and he hadn't maybe delivered on that potential and the fallout had Verstappen lost and he could have blamed the FIA directors like the Mercedes would have been far greater than than what we've seen with Mercedes which has been quite high in itself but, you know, they are eight-time consecutive constructors champions and obviously Hamilton has those seven world championships. Do you think that was partially behind, maybe even subconsciously, the reasoning behind Massey or, like you say, did Massey just make the correct decision and it's a much ado about nothing
11: I, I think he wanted to give them a race and give everyone rather than watching oh he's overtaking another backmarker car yeah. but it's tough Mercedes have kind. Of, I think they've kind of forgotten how to lose they've had it so good for the past eight years whereas Red Bull they have like they had their run of great victories with Vettel but they've had it tough over the past few years. So they finally got there. And of course, no matter what way the race would have ended, there would have been uproar from the team that lost. You're guaranteed. But it's, yeah, I mean, it is a fitting conclusion to a dramatic and controversial year. I think definitely about that.
7: Yeah, that's true. And um, just just looking at it, I suppose, I did mention the gala as well um, mm. on Thursday. There's, there's looking like there could be a penalty here for Mercedes. Could you explain to our listeners what that is and the reasoning behind that too from an FIA perspective?
11: Yeah, in the FIA sporting regulations, it says that the top three finishers in the championship have to attend the prize-giving gala. And Hamilton didn't. Now, the new president... Has said he understands that it's very tough for Hamilton, but it'll have to be looked into because it is a rule. So whether there will be a fine or he'll be let off, no one knows yet.
7: Yeah, and and I suppose the irony here, if you're a Hamilton fan, is that they believe the FIA broke its own rules, and that yeah. and that Hamilton is going to get punished for not attending what is a black tie event, whereas the FIA obviously punished Hamilton by by allowing Verstappen to have a one-lap race shootout with fresh tires. Um do you think that there is a there is a lot of sympathy for Hamilton? Do you think that is justified? Do you think you can you know you, you alluded to it there, Hamilton deserved to win the race. But ultimately mm-hmm. something completely out of his control has cost him both the race and the championship. Do you think that sympathy for Hamilton is is justified or you know, is Verstappen basically the point I'm trying to get at? Is Verstappen to deserve a champion? Not just in terms of form and like you said, I think he does does, does deserve to win the championship, but did it come to the right outcome and is that a a large reason for the sympathy around Hamilton?
11: Yeah, of course you feel for Hamilton. I mean, he deserved to win that race, but Mercedes were very conservative with their strategy. They didn't Hit him at the virtual safety car or
7: the safety car. But is the reason behind that? Sorry again to interrupt you, yeah, no but is the reason behind that because they didn't know what was going to happen? That the the rules were so all over the place all year from the faa that they, they could have called on the safety car. They could have kept it out. They did not know what was going to happen. And had they brought in Hamilton to get fresh tires on, they would have lost position. And if the race had to finish with safety car, of course, then Verstappen would have been champion by default almost. And that they were almost caught between a rock and a hard place. Not again not because of themselves, or something. it's an external factor that the FIA all year have made it very, very unclear as to the decision that they'll come to, whereas if they had have known that it would have been a one-lap ratio, of course they would have brought them in.
11: Oh, yeah, no one knew what was going to happen. The problem is they had track position. So if they went in to pick a first at either of those points, the Red Bull could decide, OK, we'll stay and we'll hope for the best. So it could have ended up exactly as we had it,
7: but well, Hamilton and Verstappen in opposite positions. Yeah, and that would that arguably ironically because Hamilton would have been second okay. for a lot of people, Hamilton would have won the race on fresh tires. Yeah. He had a f- he had a faster car, arguably the better driver, although that's up okay. for up for debate. The Hamilton had he have pitted would have won the race. But again, he didn't know because no one knows how how the FAA deal with this. So looking forward to 2022 with that in mind, Emer, is there a lot of work for the FAA and Michael Massey to to do here? Because while it has been, like I said, the attention on F1 has been like nothing we've seen for quite some time, um, arguably the sporting side of things has been such a mess, like nothing we've seen yeah. for quite some time. So do the FAA, FAA, FIA need to clean up their act here and, and make sure that racers and and teams know what's happening before a race, that how to deal with incidents?
11: Yeah, that has been a thing. When, before the Mercedes appeal was withdrawn, the FIA announced that there would be a commission looking into events and seeing what could be learned and changed. So that came about be- with dialogue from Mercedes of... We need to do this. So Mercedes have welcomed this in their withdrawal statement. They said they're looking forward to working with the FIA, all the other teams and drivers to get clarity on this. It's because there's been a lot of times this year where decisions haven't been the same as in races beforehand. So the line between hard racing and driving someone off the track has been flexible this year. So no one knew where, where they should stop and what is going on. And there's been a lot of times this year where drivers have said they need clarity, rules need to be kind of either exactly what they're written here or change slightly. But that's the problem with having a group of stewards and they're not always the same they yeah. can all have different
7: opinions yeah I think that that's a really interesting point that you make there um, and I think there is a lot of work for everyone to to be to have done because I think the fallout from this has been immense and like nothing we've ever seen before Th- thanks for breaking that down for us Emer. it was really good to get no an insight in there from someone that um, as I spoke to you off air knows what they're actually talking about <laughs> unlike me that's just a jack of all trades and an expert of none thanks very much Emer Hederman of Formula was right. great speaking to you and
11: yourself have a lovely Christmas
0: Next up is David Byrne, the author of Kerry Game of My Life, giving us a fascinating insight into the book.
7: David Byrne, author of a great book, 30 of Kerry's greatest footballers choose the one game in their legendary careers that define them and their careers including the Wire, Ger Power, Mickey, Ned O'Sullivan, Sean Walsh, I can go on and on, Tommaso O'Shea, Mark O'Shea, Owen Brosnan, a remarkable history of the kingdom's dominance of Gaelic football in Ireland as 30 players over a 60 year period revisit old football grounds where men became gods. Author of Kerry Game of My Life is David Byrne, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by him on the Line, David. How are you?
3: Great, Robbie. Thanks for having me on. It's great to be on. Um, you know, to, to, to talk about the book. You know, it's it, it's going well so far. It's 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 good to hear that it. it's reaching the airwaves in in Kukenny and Carlo.
7: Yeah, I think there's massive interest about the book around here because it it is so unique in itself. Um, you know, speaking to to players of of you know that those great carry teams of the 70s and 80s, like I say, and of course the 2000s as well, um, and a bit further beyond even that 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 honed the the green and gold jersey. Um, for yourself personally, David, I suppose the first question is how how much where did you come up with the idea actually to to do this book because it is unique, like I said.
3: Yeah. Well. It's it's kind of an overall concept from the publishers, uh, Hero Books, which were set up and owned and run by Liam Hayes, who played football at in the 80s and 90s, all Ireland winner himself. Um, Liam's a journalist, um, he was just uh, Daily Star, Daily Mail, um, amongst others, you know, and he set up the company in 2019, as far as, as I know, and um, he's looking to bring out. Uh, one of these books again of my life for for every county. Um, so he contacted myself back in January. Now um, I remember that I remembered exactly at the time because we had, we had just come back to work. I work uh, news journalist with the Kerry's Eye. Um, we weren't long back in, and you know the focus was on the COVID lockdown at the time and and everything that was happening last year and um, at the start of this year even. And I got an email from Liam. He says. He was looking for someone to do the Kerry book, the version of the book. And at the time, they had just brought out uh, the Galway hurlers and the Tipperary Hurdlers version of the Game of My Life. So Liam was looking to expand on that series. Then, you know, he said the Galway book had done very well. The Tipperary book was was doing well at the time as well. And um, they were looking to do the Kerry Footballers. At the time, I think at the moment now, it's the only football. There's a, sorry, there's a Sligo. Sligo and Mead and the Dublin one is out recently. But at the time I'd done it, it there, there just had been the Hurling books. So that's kind of where it stems, the idea came from, you know. And it, was a, it was a labour of love over the next few months then, really, to be honest with you.
7: Yeah, that, that's interesting, because we did speak to... Um the Galwick Game of My Life author Ollie Turner on on, this, on the show before and, and he mentioned the idea the idea in itself is, is like I say, it's very unique to speak to one player about one one game and one game alone that defined their career in, in, in their county jersey um were there any surprises actually David when you were speaking to these players because I I would have presumed a lot of the games maybe would have overlapped it was that an issue for you did you have to make them almost change games or, um, or or was there one game that really stood out amongst say the 70s team or the 2000 teams or, or things like that
3: yeah well I came when I, when I started doing it, I did have that concern that you know that a lot of players would pick the same games and now there is a lap over of a couple um, for example Mick O'Dwyer and Sean Murphy have picked 1959 All Ireland final and Kieran Donahue and Eamon Fitzmaurice. Eamon actually picked the game when he was manager, so they both picked the 2014 All Ireland semi final replay against Mayo, which
7: Very famous was, game was one of the
3: most, yeah, yeah. So that you know, everyone will remember that game who was any bit of a passing interest in, I think, in the other games, um the replay in Limerick. So there was that lap over, um, and at the start, you know, you're you're kind of you, you, even though the the hurling versions had been done, you're kind of coming out with a, a blank ca- canvas and and thinking that you know if there was a lap o- a crossover of the games, you know. But as it turned out, the two I think there was two that there was a lap over, and then as a stem, I was actually taken back by how there was so many different games, even though I picked a lot of the players from. Similar areas are the same areas, especially the team that played in the seventies and eighties. Um, but I think once I explained to players that it didn't have to be their biggest game, it was a game that defined their career. It was a game that personally meant something to them, you know. So for each for each legend in the book, then you know there's different reasons. A lot of lads did pick all Ireland finals, but a lot of lads picked minor games, club games, um, league games. So it's kind of. It's a real kind of specific reason why they picked the game, why why that game meant so big, was so big for them at the time. You know, um, so of course there was there was that crossover, and there was the form of, of the book allows it to be the crossover. So um, at the time, I I did find it interesting. I think out of six of the thirty in the book, uh, six have picked club games, which. I think it goes back to the core of what the GA really means, you know, the local yeah. game, the parish, the and, and I was blown away by you You would you would talk to lads who have picked their 1-8 All-Irelands and they would pick a club game. You know, Owen Bomber listin for an example, yeah. picked a North Kerry Championship. He would be from Ballybunion. or so Beal would be the local club and he picked a North Kerry Championship final against uh, Bally Longford. You know, I think that really stood out for me. You know, he's won 7-8 All-Irelands and, he picked a game, a club game, that
7: meant the most to him, you know. Yeah, and it just goes to show that really the the that's where it all begins really, isn't it? GA, whether whatever you've won in 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 your county jersey, it is all about the club. Um, was that a surprise to you, David? That that so many players that you know that really. I suppose you, you you start GA as a young girl, as a young boy or a young girl, whether it be Camogie, Ladies Football, Hurling, or or football. You want to reach Crow Park on All Ireland final day, and a lot of people you spoke to done this on multiple times, and not only reached it but won All Ireland. But was it a surprise that they did actually pick club games or minor games, like you said, or or was there was there reason behind that? Completely understandable when, when eventually you did sp- speak to them and and they gave their reasons behind why they would did pick that game.
3: Yeah, it was a surprise at the start. I was expecting, I was expecting most players to pick, um, because just because of the nature of of Kerry football. you know, you, you couldn't go through an era without talking to players that had won an All Ireland, and like down here they talk about the Baron era in the nineties, but you know they still did win the All Irelands, and there still are players that I spoke to that here that have an All Ireland medal, for example, Billy O'Shea. Yeah, you know, and. Um, so it was. A, it would have been a hard task to find someone that have played in the last sixty years that didn't win an All Ireland with Kerry. So I was expecting them to pick an All Ireland game, a semi-final game, even a Munster final. Yeah, um, and, and and the majority did. Um, but it did. Yeah, no, it did come as a surprise to me when Lads started picking the club games. I think some of the earlier interviews I did were with Mick Gleeson and he would have played with Spa, club outside Clarny, and he picked a club game. And I think from then then on, then when I was doing the interviews, you know, I was making it clear to them that it could be a club game, whether it's a start. You know, they might have been under the impression that it had to be a Kerry game. And then I think from then, I think another five then started to pick club games and even, the I think, about two or three more, Mike Frank Russell, for example, spoke to me afterwards and he said kind of in hindsight maybe it was a club game that came very close to, to being his most memorable game but it's just the different reasons that stood out to me as well why players pick games you know mikey shee for example he scored two six in and all finally picked that game um you know for that his performance stood out to him for being his most memorable game for other players it's just the reasons behind what that game meant to their their family, their club, their area, you know, there's just different, as you go through the book, there's different reasons why they picked the games and that was a surprise to me as well because, you know, anyone who played sport might, maybe might remember the games where they played the best or the games that, you know, they won something but that was more of a surprise than people picking club games more than anything, it was just little different reasons why they picked the games more than anything.
7: Yeah, and that, that's what's really fascinating about the book, and that's why I think a lot of people will be interested in it. It's, uh, it's the reasoning behind a, a game that you pick. Not you know, some people say you pick an all and why did you pick the all in the final because you won it. But there, there's mm. further reasons for that, isn't it? There's more meaning mm. for the players that maybe we don't, we haven't heard about until now, thanks to the book. That that's what's so fascinating here, isn't it?
3: Yeah, I think when people might look at it, you know, without without kind of. Reading it or anything, they might think you know it's just someone looking back on a game, and they would have they would have kind of remembered that game, watched that game. So you know they might, but I think then when you start to read it, you realise that it's it's a lot more in depth, and that it's a, it's it's um it's those players. I think you even get a grasp of the personality of each player as you read the book because you know someone like Billy O'Shea, for example, picks a first round championship game. Uh, now it was the year that Long Rangers League club went on to win the All-Ireland club but you know it's little things he, he explains how he hopped hopped the ball twice towards the end of the game and yeah. he, he he he's adamant that if the referee had spotted that the um, field Rangers would have went up and scored at the other end a district a district side in, in Kerry which played in the championship and you know he talks about how the whole of Callargan and the area kind of lived through a, a golden era at the time, winning the All Ireland, winning a couple of senior Kerry championships a couple of years afterwards and it's just it goes down to a hop of a ball, you know, if he if he was the referee spotted it. the and just went up and scored at the other end, you know, that they wouldn't have went on and won the Club All Ireland that year, you know, it's little things like that. So you might think that he would have picked the Club All Ireland final, but, you know, it's the reason before that they wouldn't have even got to the Club All Ireland final if it wasn't for for even just a split second a moment in the game and he talks about that but you know, I was really focused on as well like giving a personality behind each flare. you know the reason why they started playing football and it's not just about the game as you, as you've seen yourself
7: yeah that, that's the interesting thing. I suppose just, just quickly uh, before we we move on uh David to a quick outbreak uh-huh. break here on scoreline. Um you know recent news obviously in Kerry G.A., Jack O'Connor is taken over as as Kerry manager he's, he's taken over from Peter Keane. How is that decision being dealt with in Kerry? How is it being kind of sounded out? Are, are people in agreement with this or is it a case of Peter Keane was treated badly and that the work he'd done isn't allowed to come to a natural conclusion?
3: Well I think I think the you know, Jack Jack would have real I think soft spots for Kerry fans would have a soft spot for Jack. So I think overall he's massively welcome back. Um I think he's a real kind of a club man, you know, he he's yeah. scouting out new players as such, you know, we are bring him to the squad only this week. I think there's eight eight or nine new players into the into the pre season panels, you know. He, I, I think he's known for that. Um he's a real GA man, a real football man. Would would go to games nearly every weekend. I think at the very start there was a little bit of uncertainty about how Peter Keane's uh, tenure ended, but I think, you know, as as it went on, I think Kerry J explained that it was a process that Peter himself was able to apply for, um, and it was just a scope of then the new contract, the new manager was going to be who they thought they th- the best suited to, to, to bring football on the county and get Kerry back to where I think they, <laughs> they think they. Yeah. it deserved to be, which is in our know, Ireland finals, winning our Ireland finals, and I think you know, um do you know, I think Peter Peter was was seen as a equal candidate for anyone applying for for the new job when his contract was up. You know, and I think that was explained as, as, as after a bit of uncertainty at the, at the start when Jack left Kildare, um, you know.
7: Yeah, well, that, that's a really interesting perspective to get from a Kerry person, of course. And uh, we wish Kerry nothing but the best of luck. Under Jack O'Connor, he's a serial winner, like I said, not multiple all Ireland, multiple times all Ireland winner with Kerry, and I'm sure he'll bring great success back to the county. Just for anyone that would like to get the book, you know, a week out from Christmas, as we know, David could be a really good stocking filler for anyone that has to get a late present. And where can they get um, Kerry Game in My Life? In all good bookstores, I presume, and online also.
3: Yeah, it it's it it has it, been sold nationwide which is great, you know, um all the local sports shops in, in Kerry but um Easton's um would have it nationwide, you know. Um I know there's a store there in Kilkenny and, and that and anyone that's listening, you know, Joe and, and online as well, Amazon have it, um and, and all the, the smaller bookshops around around the country have it in stock as well. So, you know, um I have a Facebook page set up, uh, Kerry Game My Life if anyone it's struggling to uh, find a copy of it if you just message me it can be sorted you know it's, yeah. uh, it's, Christmas is coming along it's pretty quickly this year I think um, with everything that's going on so you know it was, uh, anyone any place to have ever stock um, you can just find me on
7: Facebook or my own Twitter page we we can sort that out. Yeah well as a massive GA fan I'll be in touch after the show David because uh, I definitely want to get my hands on that book. Kerry Game of My Life written by David Byrne, author of course spoke, spoke speaking to us on Scoreline I, thanks or, on Saturday Scoreline I say rather. Thanks very much for speaking to us today David and best of luck with the book. Thank you Robbie
3: appreciate it. Happy yes. Christmas to all your listeners. Yeah, the listeners. Yeah
7: same to you, many returns. Uh, David you, that was David Byrne.
0: Moving on to Joe, who's back from uh, Dubai, who gives us a rundown on everything happening in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium and beyond.
7: Into the final hour of the show now, and you know what that means on a Saturday. We're going to talk to our guru of Greyhound racing. He's back on live after giving us some in-depth reports over the last number of weeks. He's back for the Christmas after moving out to Dubai, I'm well informed. Uh, Joe Sheehan, how are you getting on today, sir?
3: Ah, oh, Robbie, I'd have to be good after you calling me a guru. You just made my day, made my whole weekend,
12: Robbie.
7: Yeah, Robbie. no, I, I had to give it to you because, of course, I got a lot of slack the last time, and rightfully so, I must say uh, that I didn't give you the big, the big, uh, the big introduction. So I said I'd give it to you this time because you are a guru, great greyhound racing, to be honest with you, Joe. What, what's happening in that sport at the moment?
12: After an introduction like that I was telling Shane during the week my bitch had a litter of pups and I was going to charge him for a share, but you know what? You can have a free share <laughs> in the pups. Live on air, you have a free share in the pup. After an introduction right. like that, I'm sorry, I'm you go- can't eagle that Shane Marquis. I'm
7: gonna ho- I'm gonna hold that to you now, Joe. I'm gonna hold that on you
12: we could even have a name in competition for the pup
7: what do you think we could why not why not we'll get it sponsored and everything we'll put it out we'll let it out to the audience 0833069696 if they want to name the pup the scoreline.ie pup we'll call it uh, if no, they want to name it then let us know What what is happening though Joe all, all things serious and fairness it's very busy time of the year for a greyhound racing. what is happening around Ireland at the moment
12: yeah, it's been, it's been a very, very busy couple of months and especially locally in Kilkenny Grey on Stadium. There's been some tremendous sweepstakes on over the last number of weeks and months. and in fairness to the track, they do Trojan work and, and they're reaping rewards at the moment. It's had some fantastic combinations and great sponsorship and, and great crowds as well and the Bit ring is a hive of activity. Last Saturday at Kilkenny Track we had the sales on it happens a number of times here. The total turnover was €75,000 and the clearance rate was 93%. So that just shows how healthy things are at the moment and great to see that happening because in, in Kilkenny Greyhound, Stadium, it's, it's a track known for producing some really, really nice pups and some nice greyhounds. So the demand is big there. So wonderful sales event last Saturday. Last night we had the final of the Kilkenny Goba Novice 2 5-2-5 five, two, final five, five, and it was won by Monogore Bistro just by Nick. The narrows, one of the narrowest margins you can win the race by in a time of 29.06 a v- very very impressive performance by Monagor Bistro owned and trained by Sean Coogan back in second we had Beachwood Sandy who finished in a time of 29.08 at a price of 4 to 1 had a bit of traffic at the third bend and came back with a very very strong late rally but just touched off by the winner Monagor Bistro so they were all twenty twenty whelps so they're young pups and perhaps couple of these pups in this race, some very nice talent there. Perhaps some of them would look forward to competitions earlier on today. Like, so the likes of the Juvenile Classic in Tralee or maybe even the Connie Kirby, which is worth eighty thousand euros to win or that takes place in Limerick next match. So a lot of these pups, the two thousand and twenty well still be looking forward to competitions like that. So yeah, you had a good strong card in Kilkenny last week and also or last night should I say and also tonight in Children Park we have some very, very strong racing. Two big competitions taking place tonight, kicking off with the RCETS Open 350 competition. We have four heats to that and we have strong local interest in the form of LS Supremo for Moonkind trainer Peter Cronin. He's a very, very shrewd trainer, Peter Cronin and LS Supremo runs from Trap 6 in the sixth race tonight. So wishing local connections the very, very best of luck there. Else in Shelburne Park, we also have the Christmas Oaks and we spoke about Slippy Hazel last week. We gave her a very, very big mention. She's been a very, very classy bitch for Mert Lahey and his team over the last number of months. Very, very talented indeed and she was very impressive last week. She won in a time of 28.36 for Mert Lahey so I'm sure they are very confident about her chances tonight. She runs from Trap 3 in the ninth race of tonight's Christmas Oaks. So it's, the Oaks competition is just limited to female greyhounds only. So Slippy Hazel, she's probably one of the most promising female greyhounds in the country at the moment. And she, again, she's a February 2020 belt, so Connections will be really looking forward to the big competitions earlier on next year in 2022 and you know what that's the wonderful thing about Greyhound racing is when you have something like this to look forward to it really shortens the winter months and it makes all those early mornings and all the work, hard work involved when you have something to look forward to like that it's it's massive and it's a massive boost and I'm sure they're really looking forward to the chances of her running in some big competitions next year but for tonight she runs in the second round of the Christmas Oaks and like I said she won in 28 36 last week she's a really impressive bitch and she's actually owned by a Limerick man, John Gagan from a and trained by Murt Lahi, whose name has been mentioned here many times on this show. In race 11, we also have some very strong local interest in the form of Epic News, who is owned by the Kennedy family. Their father, John, comes from Arlingford. That one runs from Trap 5. And in Trap 6, in the same race, another Murt trained Greyhound Stories Direct. And this one has a very, very big chance of running from the stripes of Trap 6. So that should be a very, very strong battle between those two. And also, In the 12th race in HQ, Shelburne Park tonight, we have some strong local interest in the form of Catch Me Flying. For the buggy family of County Carlow, they're very, very shrewd operators, the buggies, and for running from the blackjack of Trap 4, Catch Me Flying should have a very, very strong chance in Shelburne Park tonight. Also on Trap 6, Kurt Kelly-Nester, for the Murray family who run their greyhounds in Kilkenny Greyhounds, they're right, runs in the same race, so some very big racing in Shelburne Park tonight, and lots to look forward to earlier on in the new year. Kind of Coyton's down over the next number of weeks with Christmas and New Year's events on, but we will still have Wednesday morning racing at Kilkenny Track over the coming week. That doesn't stop. A couple of Friday nights get interfered with, with Christmas Eve and New Year's and all that. But coming on to 2022, we have a very, very strong programme of events to look forward to next year.
7: Yeah, what what, what are those programmes, um, just for people that maybe want to know, that want to get involved, Joe, yeah. uh, in Greyhound Racing? What do we have to look forward to in the new year?
12: Absolutely. So just at the turn of the year, you have the Juvenile Classic down in Tralee. So this is for 2020 welts. So there would be no older than two years of age. So that's the big one in that part of the year. Then looking after that, you have the Conan and Kirby, which is sponsored by J.P. in and It's a fantastic sponsorship. It's a prize one of €160,000, €80,000 to the winner. So to be honest, at this time of year, that's that's where these competitions are won and lost. You have to have the hard work done, you have to have, you know, good training, good feeding and good nutrition plenty of care and attention at this time of year. So over the next coming weeks and months and that's where the hard work is won and then you reap the rewards in April and May and those kind of competitions and then later on in the year you'll have, you'll have the Derby, you'll have the champion stakes. It's it's a real there's some fantastic competitions in Ireland at the moment. And even in Kilkinagray on Stadium, there's some really, really good competitions. Boyle Sports have been wonderful sponsors there. Gabriel Ametti, sponsored races. Joe Gobbins, really good sponsorship, too. And not only for the top, top Greyhounds, but also for the middle of the road Greyhounds, who, who deserve recognition in their own right. So there's plenty of competitions to look forward to there as well. So, definitely exciting times, Robbie. And definitely exciting times, hopefully, for, for your pup, who's going to be named shortly, hopefully.
7: Yeah, we actually just got texted in about that. Uh, Joe, uh, Bridget Williams from Main Street in Mullen, Nevat, Kenny, Thanks very much for your text, uh, Bridget. She's going to name it Roxy. So I think I think we should name it that. Considering she was the first one to get in here to us on Scoreline. What do you think, Joe?
12: Roxy, yeah. There's some there's some been fantastic greyhounds named Roxy over the years. Actually, in in the winter racing festival last week, the fastest time of the night was done by a greyhound called Ben Roxy, and her mother was called Cabra Roxy. So there's some been some very very fast greyhounds called Roxy over the years. So I think that's a good suggestion for sure.
7: Yeah, definitely. We're, well, Roxy, it is then. If they're going to, if it's a winner, we'll have it at Roxy. Just for yourself, Joe. Actually, um, I know you, you obviously speak about greyhound racing a lot. Uh, you, you have a love for the sport. How has it been for yourself? You've obviously moved out to Dubai. Um, have you Have you found it difficult to stay in touch, kind of, with the greyhound racing scene here in Ireland, or has it just been kind of seamless for you?
12: Well, I guess there's a lot of pros and cons in, in the internet world and social media world. But one of the pros has been able to keep in touch every night. has have literally been able to keep in touch and. You have the Basking Buzz app and various other sites that you're able to to keep in touch and also Sky Channel 437, that showed a lot of the racing so the likes of the ledger final we were able to look at all the programme of events there. and, and So it's, it's great to have the connection on social media and online platforms to keep in touch. And it's nice to be able to get home home for three weeks of Christmas and also next summer and Easter where we'll have some teaching holidays off. So I'm looking forward to, to getting home as well. My uh, my own bitch had a litter of pups this week. So very, very exciting times indeed. So it's great. If it was 10 or 20 years ago, it would be very, very difficult. But it's great to be able to keep in touch through the phones and, and, and various social media platforms. Like you're, You can watch all the racing and all the replays if not live, you can get the video replays on the Greyhound Racing Ireland website. So it's, it's been fantastic. It's hard not being there physically at times, but no, it is, it's definitely fantastic to be able to, to keep in touch with all the action through, through all those various platforms, for sure.
7: Yeah, that's great to hear. And I suppose, Joe, you know, this Saturday we speak to you after five o'clock every Saturday here to get a breakdown of everything going on in the world of Greyhound Racing in Kilkenny, Carlow, and further afield as well. Um, But unfortunately, next week, next weekend, we won't have scoring because it is Christmas Day. So this might be the last time we speak to you Um, this year. In a year for the review of the year for Greyhound Racing, how, how have you seen it? Has it been tough with COVID for the Greyhound Racing scene in general or has it been a lot better than 2020 when, when the coronavirus initially hit?
12: Well, I think we've seen fantastic resilience over over the period of COVID because initially we had a couple of months where there was no racing at all it was a complete lockdown but bit by bit we've, we've had to adjust and adapt and, and overcome to different restrictions and sometimes it's been tough you know there's the nights racing where you've had to just when just outdoor and you couldn't really go inside and that's tough for people in, in cold and harsh conditions but I think the greyhound people there are they're, they're fantastic people, they're salt of the earth they, they know how to adapt and, and overcome and I think that's, that's been the motto over the last number of months and probably in the last 18 months really during the period of COVID, so there's been a lot of changes at the moment, it's looking like there's some events going to have to take place outdoors due to the new COVID regulations after after eight o'clock, and it's constantly changing. But it's to be to be fair, and there's great credit due to everyone at, at, at the different tracks and the management of place because it is tough. It's definitely not easy. But I think it's been stronger. We've seen some wonderful, wonderful competitions and great sponsorship. And there's it's it's a kind of a team effort and a joint effort between everyone involved in the industry. That's people working at the tracks, the owners, the trainers who work so hard to care for the greyhounds, the sponsors, the track management, and it, it's been it's been a joint effort. And I think it's 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 COVID has brought out a lot of things, but it's also brought out the best in a lot of people as well yeah. and in, in, from my own experience in the ground industry I've definitely seen some very very positive experience for sure
7: yeah, I, t- I think um, we, we kind of support that, that message here. Asgore. and There's just an incredible community in Greyhound Racing, um, not not just locally here in Kilkenny and Carlow, of course, where it is so strong, but further afield as well. Uh, in your own home county of Limerick, of course, uh, Limerick Greyhound is saying do tremendous work and just across the co- country, uh, Shelburne Park, you think of countless other um, areas where I think the community has just really come together, like you alluded to, and it's seen it kind of go past um, the last two years as best as it can and it'll continue to do so, and that's, that's just great to hear.
12: Yeah, exactly, and, and you know what? Another thing about greyhound racing—it's a real family event, and in, in, in small towns and villages, not that it's just confined to rural areas, because it's not, there's not as many city people involved, but in rural areas. A good greyhound and, and and the dog that's competing at the top level, he can often be the talk of the town. Or you know, he, he feels it's not just yeah. the owner that owns, him and in many communities, it feels like it's the community that owns. him even in my own experience, I've had various syndicates down the years, and you have had 15 or 20 people involved. But and buses going into the track and the night. when it's, it's it's great. and whether they be top class greyhound or middle of the road. I think you know it's it's a, it's a sport that's kind of steeped traditionally in, in in our country, and it's and it's 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 one that a lot of people are very very proud of, and, and, and really in rural areas, it's and especially the older generation I see so many of the older people who may not have any other night out or no other social outlet other than their night at the tracks maybe once a week or once every couple of weeks. And they look forward to meeting their friends and companions. And it's been tough for them. It really has been tough for them. And even my own experience, not being able to meet people for a long time during, during COVID and not being at the tracks, but it's, it's great to be having to be able to actually see those people over the last number once and get get to see them at the tracks. But yeah, exactly. And, and when you have a good greyhound or even any kind of greyhound, something to look forward to, it's a very important to have something to look forward to and uh, I think Greyhounds definitely offer that to to many, many families and and communities across the country.
7: Yeah, well, we'll have Roxy to look forward to now winning every single race across the country in 2022, Joe, uh, owned owned by Joe Sheen, Shane O'Keefe and Robbie down of course. So uh, thanks very much for for answering the call, as always, Joe, and uh, have a very happy Christmas and a wonderful new year. Real pleasure talking to you.
12: Yeah, it's been a pleasure to be to be on on every Saturday, and it's always uh, it's always a good venture and, and and thanks to all your listeners for for putting up for me and my my bad, my bad tips in twenty twenty one. Hopefully twenty twenty two can turn a new leaf and bring some good tips and some fast greyhounds.
7: Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Thanks very much, Joe. Always great talking to you. That was Joe Sheen, Limerick Greyhound Stadium, PRO out in Dubai at the moment, but home for Christmas. Great to speak to him as always. The greyhound guru here on Scoreline.
0: Switching our attention back to GAA, here is Carlo's new minor manager, Alan Roach, and Carlo P.R. Roach, Jared Doyle.
8: Well, the biggest challenge is uh, to, to know the players, to meet manager. man. The first challenge going in, uh, don't know anyone, apart from uh, bringing a couple of people with me, and that's, that's just to get used to the players and getting used to, the, getting, they getting used to me as well.
0: That's yeah, the the, have at the, moment. the the backroom team is always crucial in, 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 yeah. in, in new management as well. So, who do you have coming in with you? Uh, at the moment, I have uh,
8: Seamus Comfort is coming in as the SNC coach, and I have uh, a Brian Delaney coming from Carlow Town, and uh, a chap fr- uh, from coming with the WIT at uh, Tom Grinzel. And I'm hoping to add one more during the week to to the management team.
0: Oh, fantastic! That's so more. I suppose that'll be coming uh, as we uh, as we get it. Uh, you have most recently yeah. been involved with Patrick O'Flynn under twenty hurling management team alongside Adrian Corcoran as well. So, like, does that all factor into when you were ratified? Yes, yes,
8: uh, yeah, no. it's because I was down there last year with Pado and and Adrian, and I seen the talent was down there, so it wasn't. It was an easy decision to accept the position as under seventeen manager. And I, I know a lot of the players as well going through it. The WIT WT like and if they put me in the right track like the like rock spinners and them I've talked to them and they said there's great talent down there so hopefully you now we'll we'll get the best out of them
0: and uh, when do you expect that you'll be able to get the best out of them in terms of training when is that all scheduled to, um, to resume well, the
8: plan is that the, the plan is at the moment uh, we're going to have a couple of trial trial games just to get used to them see so we're we're meeting on the 29th of December and then the, on the third of January. So because uh, the first round of the minor for uh, for our tier is uh, the fourth of March, the fifth of March, the first Saturday in March. So we'll be, it'll be quick and fast, and trying to get the lads to go up ready and go on
0: as quick as possible. Yeah, it'll come around very quick. Uh, will there any be? Will there be any trials? Uh, held or anything like that? Yeah,
8: we're, uh, we have we have two trials. Uh, the twenty ninth of December and third uh, of January.
0: Is the two trial dates okay? And where where have they been held?
8: We're there when we have having them in uh, Cairo, uh, Centre of Excellence in
0: Senna. Oh, awesome. So and it's a, a, an, ama- yeah. an amazing facility. Amazing. Yes. A, a lot of people say that managing maybe an underage team is more about developing the players as opposed to the results, maybe. Do you think that's fair or are the results just as important?
8: Well, everything is important. Like At the end of the day, you want to get players to get to the highest standard they can. Like At the end of the day, we all want to see where that... Carlos senior jersey for Tom or whoever's over the the senior team and and like results hopefully and get confidence in going forward and then get to enjoy their hurling again and taking on the likes hopefully that takes on the likes of Kilkenny's and Dublin's and Galway's of this world
0: uh, one teams like and yeah and, and you mentioned Tom Tom Malally having a great victory for Nase against well, Glenmore there recently yes. obviously the Carlo manager and we got a bit of mileage about that about that when we were in here in KCLR but have you have you spoke to Tom at all Tom that's no I
3: haven't
8: I haven't no no no. Tom is up to his eyes now with Carlo and Nate, so he he wouldn't he, 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 there's not enough hours in the day probably for Tom <laughs> at the He's trying to do everything
0: like So so what way does that work then from a minor level? Because if you're doing like a, a, a county training. Are you look is is would word come down from the senior set up and then of course the under twenties and stuff that this is the way we want players to be prepared to play if they get the call up to the next uh, next grade say. So is there are, are you able to bring your own kind of style and influence into it?
8: let well, my own my own plan is trying to bring my own kind of style to to the the Carol minors, Joe, and then hopefully if my style works and Tom might Tom like I, I will be I dipping into Adrian Corcoran and with the under twenties and Tom just to see if what they're doing as well and trying to develop the players in Carlo. At yeah. the end
0: of the day, like yeah, it's all about kind of creating consistency and links. But at the end yeah. of the day, it's it's developing these players yeah. to be able to represent their county, no matter what type of style you try and implement or anything like yeah, that. Exactly, so to have them prepared. Exactly, yeah. So yes, so, uh, that's it. So when we were talking to, say, Jim Bulger there recently, and he was expounding the virtues of everything that's going on in Carlo from an underage setup uh, coming up, and it all sounds quite exciting. So, do you have any goals now in particular for for the year to to come along? Considering it wasn't the most successful. Year for inter-county hurling and, uh, and football in Carlo this uh, last year.
8: Well, my, my goal is to try and get these this bunch of players as far, as far and as, as long into as hurling into the, into the season. That's my goal. It's not just to go partake. It's trying to take over, trying to win games as well and get these guys a confidence and try, trying to enjoy their hurling and you know like get out into the big stage. Take on the likes of the kilkennys and Dublins and Golders of this world.
0: Well, it's all sounding quite exciting. Alan, thanks very much for taking the time and talking to us here at Scoreline. No doubt we'll be hooking up with you again very, very soon, but uh, best of luck for the rest of the year. We're looking forward to following the journey.
8: Perfect. Thanks very much, Shane. Thank you very much for contacting me. Five
13: hundred twenty 20 Super League as it's called. It's been a great success. It's been going every Saturday since the 20th of November, and we've been blessed with the weather. Uh, I've got Really good weather, the pitches have been in great condition and we've got some great high quality games, uh, high scoring games and uh, we've been delighted the way it's gone and uh, we're coming down to the business end of it now, we've had the semi-finals this weekend and the finals will be played between Christmas and New Year Uh, so it'll all be wrapped up in a very short space of time, it's been a great success so far.
0: Yeah, I can certainly imagine. As we mentioned, kind of, were, were you at the games yourself? Uh, we know that there was uh, kind of some games going on at the same time as well. It was just brilliant to be able to get them uh, played. We had in the B knockout stages, Tin Ryland going up against Palentine. You mentioned a high scoring game; it was quite high scoring there, but even higher scoring in Aerog versus Fena as well in the knockout A championship. Some some great games altogether. All
13: yeah, um, I'd say that Aerog um, result against Fena you know, 4 to 7 points, nobody saw that coming. Now, obviously, Airog, in any game, uh, you can never say they're not favourites um, because they're so strong in, in every grade. But it, actually, Fenner would have been the favourites. Fenner won this grade right going back to under-12, under-14 minor and they've, they've won the county championships every year all the way through. And it was a big surprise um, that they were eaten by such a, a huge margin um, because they have been a very dominant team at this level all the way up to grades. Um, but obviously are, um putting together a very strong challenge for the championship during the final now the, the team contains a lot of experienced players from both their senior and, and intermediate teams that have won well the intermediate team won their championship this year so um, yeah are in the final against them um, Planoir beat their neighbours Red Philly at the weekend as well in, in another very uh, exciting game uh, 3-9-1-7 there so um, that's going to be an exciting game. Clanmore and Aero have already met. The two teams have come through from the same group there, and Clanmore uh, did win in their home ground in Woodside. But um, obviously, the final will be a whole new ball game.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, the games were on at the same time, but both sides will be very familiar with each other when uh, Clonmore go up against A-Rogue. Before we get into when the games are going up, we have to talk about the finalists, Navon and uh, Palatine. Uh, they're going to be going up against each other in the uh, Super League B knockout final, and uh, that looks like it's going to be a good contest. It was two good games between the two sides. Palatine, as we aforementioned, beating Tin Ryland on a scoreline of two ten to 1-5. bit of a lower scoring game between Navon and Ballin. Uh, that was 1-12 to Navone and Ballin eight points, but just uh, great now that we have two finalists.
13: Yeah, um, again, you had uh, near neighbors there, Palatine and, and um playing um, and it was close enough, I think in that game up to half time. Uh, it was one three to five points, but a goal just after half time with Parker Kelly for Palatine just gave them a little bit of a cushion and they pushed on them to do very well and to run out convincing winners and on the other hand, then we had Navon and Ballon again it was close enough. Uh, up to half time, but a uh, goal um, by Sham Harman there for, for uh, Michael seems to give again a little bit of a cushion to um, push on. And uh, th- those two teams met in their group. The same has happened there. Two teams from the same group have come through to the final. And in the previous meeting, there, Michael beat Palatine, but again, the same way as the Aero and Planmore group stage game. That will count for nothing when it comes to the final, you know. Um, finals take on a life of their own and, uh, uh, you know, it's, you, you can forget about previous results.
0: And talking about the finals then, are they getting a bit of a break over Christmas or, or what's going to happen?
13: Now, the finals will be played between Christmas and New Year. Um, like all the lads, are, a lot of them are college students, so they'll be home for, for the Christmas, so it's a good time to play it. And uh, people will be only too glad to get out, uh, get away from the cabin fever, Christmas button, and the, the mince pies, um, get a bit of fresh air, and, and get out to a match. So um, looking forward to having that around the twenty seventh, of December, the two games as we said.
0: Oh, very nice. So they don't get much of a break. Maybe they can enjoy their Christmas dinner at a stretch. Um, in terms of some of the young talent coming up through the ranks, were you quite impressed with what was on show?
13: Yeah, it's incredible. Like. The, um, quality of the play and the football and the speed of the players and the, the skill levels and again, as I said earlier, the high scoring and the, the scoring from long range um, is a really impressive uh, you know, every team seems to have uh, produced some really top-class um, performers there uh, like Gero um, for instance, to have Shane Boogie there is an absolutely top-class player he's already played for their senior team he's the captain centre-back um, they've Adam Nolan there. they some dynamic forwards in uh, the full forward line. They scored two eleven in um, the match the other night against Venna. Adam McCarron, Ben Crotty and Ronan Quinnan they've all seen uh, action with their intermediates and they're already class players. Um, looking at Alan Moore uh, like with Cal Billy Dollar uh, in the back line, Duke Connolly, Jordan Tallon in central field, and uh, Oisin and Dylan Doyle in the forward line. Again, all really top class players. Um, for the likes of Palatine you've uh, Finn Cavanagh, and Killian Duff top class centre fielder Finn Cavanagh has actually been playing with the senior team um, and with Brian McMahon and Parry Kelly there in the full forward line for them who are racking up huge scores in every match so it's the talent uh, coming through in every club at the moment and uh, looking forward to next year's under 20 Leicester Championship where we um, i just appointed Morris Brown there as the manager and uh We're looking forward to doing well at that grade. Well, we're
0: looking forward to covering it here at KCLR. It gives me something to talk about as well on uh, Stevens' day and looking forward to the two games going ahead. So you're saying the 27th and 28th are when they're happening?
13: That's it. Now, subject to confirmation, yeah. um, That's when they're planned, you know. uh, It's important to try and get our games um, finished as well with COVID. uh, Beginning to pick up again and... uh, we don't want to have to postpone matches and, and delayed games, and we'd like to have a reasonable number of people being able to attend finals as well. You know, um, you know, if there's another lockdown, uh, you might have to play your finals behind closed doors, which is not desirable at all. It takes away from the whole occasion. Um, so we, we're we pushing ahead to try and get those games played as quickly as possible. And I suppose one of the things um, about the, these games... Uh, It was the absence of the negative sort of cross-field play that you can see in some some games. A lot of the football was forward-attacking, you know, positive football. It was very little of the the kind of sideways and backwards play. that just you see at county level. So it was refreshing from that point of view. We're all very entertaining and, um, you know, a lot of exciting football being played
0: Well, we're looking forward to seeing what goes down between the two games on the 27th and 28th, if they do get get confirmed. Ger, I'm sure we'll be in touch anyway once that confirmation does come through. Uh, But thanks very much for coming on and giving us a rundown on what we can expect should those games happen on those dates.
13: No problem at all, Shane. Thanks very much. Thanks very much.
0: Yes, from the under-20 football championship to American football. Colin Cronin joined us from the Irish NFL show. Now we're going to discuss American football from the Irish NFL show. Colin Cronin joins us. Colin, thanks very much for taking the time, sir.
14: I'm delighted to chat to you, Shane. It's been an absolutely fascinating year thus far, and we're into the kind of home straight as such as we we look at the the playoff hunt so there's all sorts of uh, combinations and, and permutations that we could see uh, take shape over, over the, the next few weeks. So it's great to, to be chatting about that.
0: It certainly is. And I know one of the big stories that came out of the NFL there was the sacking of Urban Meyer, the Jacksonville Jaguars coach. Uh, just for a lot of maybe controversy and negative headlines of he's been associated with the past few weeks, a lot of things alleged there, was that a bit of a shock for NFL fans in, t- in general?
14: I think it, if you go back to when he was first appointed, there were there was a lot of excitement about the what, what we might see, but there were definitely people who were kind of raising questions about what he'd gotten up to in college football. And Shane, it has been like a, a WWE story this year. I, I mean, it, just every week it seemed that Urban Meyer there was a new controversy. He didn't fly back with the the team on, on the plane from one of their games. He stayed because he said he was spending time with his family in Ohio. Pictures and, and videos emerged of him um, having fun in, in a bar with uh, a young lady who wasn't his wife. Um, we were actually over in London for the game when the Jags finally won. They hadn't won in uh, 20 games, he was not, it's, the, it's always the head coach who gives out the football, it wasn't, he wasn't in the dressing room when the football, the footballs, the game balls were being given out, it was the players themselves, and then more and more stories started to trickle out about the way in which he was treating players, and then it culminated with the fact that he had actually kicked a player in training, uh, so I, I think it was building, um, but it was the the drama of it to to see it kind of play out. It was really like watching a car crash because every week there was there was something else, and because of the scrutiny that the NFL gets, it was like watching a car crash in slow motion.
0: I was just about to say, because the NFL like to especially uh, lately keep their nose kind of squeaky clean from any type of controversy. Uh, they are franchises owned by a lot of owners and they don't like association with that type of behaviour. But uh, yeah, even the kicking of Josh Lambeau or the alleged kicking as, it, as, as it's been described and some of the words that he used you would not fly with that in any type of uh, era it imagines, let alone in 2021. Uh, just kind of going on to uh, other things in the NFL we've seen that uh, the Premier League Uh, recently has been marred with cancellation of football games due to COVID-19. How is the NFL been coping with this new virus um, kind of variant?
14: Yeah, so they, they had said at the, the start of the year that you know they were going to endeavour to, to keep the show on the road as much as possible. They Obviously, last year, they played every game. They admittedly, they had to move some. And up to this point um, this week, they hadn't, you know, they hadn't had to, to make any changes. But uh, Omnicron has impacted on, on the league, so we've seen a couple of changes this week. There was supposed to be a game last night with the, the Browns um, and the the Raiders, and that got moved. And then two of the games that were due to take place today, Shane, got moved to Tuesday. Now, the the NFL's response to, to it has maybe been a little bit different from the Premier League. Um, they have agreed new protocols uh, between the league and the players' association, the players' union. And uh, it will mean that... Um, those who are vaccinated will actually face less testing, um, which will mean that um, the games are more likely to go ahead. It's certainly an interesting approach. I think it's a very different approach than, you know, we might take over here or they might take in, in Europe. But um, America has something of a history that maybe don't ask, don't tell. And it seems like the NFL is taking a similar approach to ensure that the rest of the season gets played out And the playoffs and the Super Bowl are played in a timely manner.
0: Yes, because the Super Bowl is only 56 days away. Uh, It was a joy when we got to speak to you and we watched it last year on Scoreline. It's just a a huge uh, sporting event all around the world. We do have the playoffs to look forward to. We do have uh, week 15 to talk about. So who is your predictions now going into the playoffs?
14: Well, it's been, as I said, it's been a fascinating season. And part of that, Shane, is because the one, one of the things that the NFL does incredibly well is it has a competition committee and they look at parity. So this is not like European football or the Premier League where one team can dominate or or a group of teams can dominate. Or you're looking at the, you know, the talk of the European Super League, the elite of the elite. What the NFL wants is for a truly competitive, league that no team will dominate and it's fair to say that the competition committee have done a, their their job this year in particular nobody there is no team that looks unbeatable there is no um you know body in either conference that you would say oh yeah they are they're destined to to be in the Super Bowl. The Patriots had looked really good, but they lost last night. That means that the Chiefs sit atop the AFC. The Chiefs had incredible struggles on the defensive side of the ball earlier in the year. Suddenly, they they found a way to rectify that, um, and they are there. the The Titans are, are there, but they lost Derrick Henry, who is there star running back and looked on course to set all sorts of records this year. He may get back in time for the, the playoffs. They kind of are almost limping their way to the playoffs in some way. If they can get over the line and get him back they will be there or thereabouts. But the the famous Steelers, many of your listeners may be familiar with the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, so synonymous with success over the years. They are really struggling uh, this year. Uh, and that's on the AFC side. On the, the NFC side, you you have the, the Cowboys who will probably be there from the NFC East. But outside of that, the, the Packers have looked good at, at times. They've looked outstanding. But again they're they're not perfect and neither are the Buccaneers they've looked a little bit more vulnerable than maybe we expected when they brought all the the players back but Shane ultimately it's coming down to the NFC West it's talked about as the strongest division in football and, and true to form that kind of is the case you look at there's three teams really from that the Cardinals who've been very, very good at times. The Rams, who are star-studded and have brought in so many uh, fantastic players. And the 49ers, who've all of a sudden kind of found form. So I think that's probably the division to keep an eye on. That might well be where the, the winner of the entire Super Bowl comes from. But I do think Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady will have something to to say about all of that. But plenty of intrigue left, even um, as we enter kind of the last three weeks of the season here.
0: Well, no doubt, Colin, we'll be talking to you as we come to the crescendo of the season and before the Super Bowl. You can catch yourself on uh, the Irish NFL show over on Twitter, uh, doing tremendous things as well. And no doubt coming up to the Super Bowl, you'll have a lot more stuff planned.
14: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Michael is on the ground in the states this week. He'll be at the Ravens game, but yes, we have big plans for 2022 um, and in the, the lead up to, to the Super Bowl and the playoffs. So definitely keep an eye on the Irish NFL Show on social media, and hopefully be joining you again, Shane. Always enjoy uh, chatting to you, and we we appreciate the
13: support.
0: After a huge October in Paris, David McClure joined us, and he talked all things kayaking and kayaking freestyle championship, and also winning the David Boogie Motorsport Star Award for October. Now joining me here on Scoreline is David McClure. Davy is the recent recipient of the David Boogie. Sports Star of the Month Award. First of all, congratulations.
15: Thank you very much. I'm honoured. It's
0: it's just great to get to honour people from a local scene that are doing some tremendous things. We were covering it, we were talking to James O'Connor when you're over in Paris there recently, European Freestyle Champion coming away with the gold. That must have been an incredible experience because I don't think we were talking to you since.
15: No, I think it was maybe a couple of months or over lockdown when I chatted to you guys last. Um it was pretty amazing. Uh I had a feeling it was gonna happen, but it was one of those like will it won't it? when it happened it was pretty amazing yeah I can imagine because when we were speaking
0: you were saying that you were still training over lockdown it was still quite a, a pretty extensive training that you were doing so you by you saying that you had a feeling that you could come away with gold it was probably all the work that you've been putting in over the lockdown
15: yeah I kind of felt like had there been competitions in that period I was close to the, to the spot and I was a bit worried that I was missing out on possibly my peak kind of time um, but kept kind of working at it and it still came off because
0: we've talked about it with different sports say maybe in boxing where people are missing some huge developmental things because they wouldn't have the likes of sparring or anything like that but you have that whole individual aspect to what you're doing as well so it's really down to yourself the restrictions didn't really have a massive impact on you did they?
15: yeah i might have snuck away a little bit at some stage i was over in uh galicia in northern spain to train just with like freestyle it is individual and it's there's like an intensity and quality that you have to experience at a higher level so that's competitions or big water and um, and you can learn a lot in ireland but to go to the next level you really have to get out of here and and train and didn't manage to miss it but i think for younger paddlers and up-and-coming paddlers are a bit more of a challenge to actually get to the next level during a lockdown where you can't compete and you can't travel I mentioned in upcoming
0: paddlers like there's a huge paddling community within Klikenny in itself yeah. and it's kind of championed by the likes of yourself and now they have someone that they can look to and see accomplishing amazing things like the course that you're doing it on is going to be the course for the Olympics in 2024 yeah. so you know to ha- young people to have that and to visualise it and have an idol that they want to
15: replicate that that's a huge thing yeah, it's it's quite cool, like we have, the Canoe Club has loads of paddlers uh, up and coming. We, we set up South East Freestyle and we have like three or four junior squads of five to eight paddlers and they're all, they're going to be better than me soon enough, like, <laughs> like they started it earlier and they're paddling better than I was at that stage, so it's quite exciting to see where Irish kayaking is going. Yeah, the, the foundations are consistently
0: being built on because it's been there for quite some time as well, but competing at the level that you're, you're at now, you're now ranked fifth in the world, am I right?
15: Yeah, that's where I placed the 2019 first in Europe. I'd like to say I'm, like, thereabouts to win it, but... You came away with the goal. I'll, I'll call you first. <laughs> I, beat, I beat four of the lads, four of the other competitors at the Euros were the four in the finals with me at Worlds, so that are just one American to kind of take it off. So, uh, so it'll be a challenge it be? so what is the next step then is is
0: competitions kind of a bit sparse now that you know we're back kind of somewhat in a pandemic
15: or what way does it work at an elite level uh, the competitions are a bit sparse generally um, and you really have to travel worldwide to get to the top one so there's the europeans worlds like every second year so you have a competition every summer worlds are this summer there's not too many big ones up to it galway fest is one over in galway it's quite big Um, and it is kind of competitions or just getting on big water trying to get out to Africa or Canada to just experience huge, huge volumes of water and when you experience that kind of thing do you notice that say the likes of you notice
0: in athletics say the the states always kind of dominate that because they have the infrastructure and the college system that a lot of people go through Um, do you notice that when you're going up against the likes of Canada that would have access to big water as you were saying that it's you can see the level that they've already enjoyed throughout their, their yeah.
15: tenure and their life because of the facilities that they had. Yeah, absolutely. That's like the UK have quite a lot of infrastructure. The US just have lots of big rivers and Canada the same. You can see like the quality and the skill is there. The one thing we have in Ireland going for us is that like we make the most of the situations we have and that's it's becoming quite a thing where we do well in any sort of a spot because we've learned to paddle so many different places. It's one value I say, like, we don't have the opportunities that others have, and we make the most of that. Whereas the other guys have the skill, but don't generally make the most of their opportunities. So I think that's why we're doing so well at the moment. I was, a lot less limitations on us. I was chatting to a guy recently who has aspirations
0: for the Winter Olympics in skeleton racing. I don't know. Uh, up in, yeah, he's like it's kinda like kind of Yeah, it's kinda of like a one man bobsled and he has his own makeshift thing that he's kind of you know tricked out, but he has these massive aspirations to get to it and he was Practice saying
15: so was on like the hills of Kilkenny.
0: Exactly, yeah. Um in, in terms of uh, uh, just facilities to... Do it in Paris, where the Olympics are going to be held. Yeah. Do you have aspirations of getting back now into Paris and in, in the same
15: course? Uh, not entirely. Like it's so. This isn't an Olympic discipline, unfortunately. Mm. If it were, it'd be pretty amazing. Um, the course is quite nice. Like I think the Irish, if we get an Irish slalom paddler on the team, there they'll they'll enjoy it. Um, it's quite cool, but it's pretty expensive. Like it's three hundred sixty euros an hour to run the course. Wow. So when we were training, like we had to cover that ourselves so it's quite a challenge like um in in terms of olympic sports uh, i was chatting
0: to a guy who's competed frontal kenny competed in the high jump and he's now a uh, he's an arm wrestler so he wants that to be is. kind of one of the first people to to go from legs pretty much with the high it's jump into his right. arms but he was saying in terms of olympic sports obviously arm wrestling isn't an olympic sports but he was saying it's kind of done generated on people's interest and generated on uh, the revenue and the television audience that I could bring in. Kayaking is quite a visually pleasing looking uh, sport, especially the freestyle and it it looks dangerous, it looks cool when stuff comes on, almost in the same vein as skateboarding. It's an extreme sport almost. Uh, What do you think it can do to further itself, if it was to get into the Olympics or so?
15: It's like it's definitely a topic we've debated I think from like a governing body point of view We don't have enough nations competing and the governing body have basically been like, let's put a lot of money into our world championships, like, get it, get it big. And it's just like, that's all they do. And the problem with that is we're not really developing like young paddlers anywhere all over the world. Like we need a much wider base. I'm sure, like we could do the Conor McGregor, where like just suddenly the sport like sparks. <laughs> yeah. But I think there needs to be a much like wider infrastructure to the whole sport in general, for that to be successful and to stay. You're not going to start calling out other kayakers now in Conor <laughs> McGregor style. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so
0: it. it- coming back to the local level just before because you've been very kind with your time coming back to the local level if people have seen you or they're hearing you now for the first time they're liking what they're hearing and they
15: they want to get involved in it where can they get involved at a local level? Uh, Join your club so there's Kenny Aquacanoo Club uh, there's one in Leash I think Doro area and there's there's a few others like you'll find some in Clonmel as well Um, just get a start like they'll give you all the equipment it's a lot of fun and then as you get better you'll, you'll see a discipline you want to do and the guys there will, will know, or the girls will know, what where, where you should go. Well, thanks very much for your time. Congratulations
0: on the gold in the European Championship. Congratulations on the David Boogie Motor Sports Star Award thank as well. It's been a pleasure, David, and we look forward to seeing what happens in the future. Yeah, Thank you. Finally, here's Perry Williams giving us a rundown on the European Championship that was held in Abbottstown up in Dublin. Perry is the Kilkenny Athletics PRO. Always a joy to speak to her.
16: Yeah, so it was quite exciting in the first place to have the European Championships in Dublin. Um, it was postponed from last year because obviously the COVID curtailed everything. So, um, yeah, really good to have it. Um, it was very exciting for lots of athletes to be able to attend and see, you know, the superstars in action. Um, you know, I have to say it was very well run, um, really well organised. You know, I didn't feel that you are in the ma- middle of masses of crowds. Maybe it's because it's a big open field. Anyhow. Um, and it's just, you know, just every competition was just excitement after excitement and I guess you know it started off with you know pretty good footing when the junior men got their silver Um, and in that race we had uh, Kilkenny's uh, Cahal O'Reilly. So um, just a little bit about Cahal in the sense that you know Cahal wasn't meant to be in the juniors and it was he was preparing for the under 19 um, All-Ireland Championships in Gorn the night before he got a call from Athletics Ireland to say Keen McPhillips was injured and hey he was on the team
17: and, and is is that as easy as it can be or well, well I won't say I won't say easy there's obviously a lot of preparation involved for, for the athletes in general but, yeah. to, but to get that call up to get that bump up
16: yeah I suppose look the, the reality is Cahill was training to try and make the team yeah um, he raced the nationals in um, the end of, of November, um, which were the trials, and he didn't make it. He was sixth. Now, sixth, the first six normally get on the team, but in Carl's case, there's as as in others' cases, there's always the um, the opportunity for athletes who do well in the NCA or who are running well generally in the states or elsewhere that they can make the team as well. So, Athletics Ireland and the selectors would we'll have been watching all of those very closely throughout the cross country season, as indeed you know. When would, would um, they'd watch other people in in other countries as well who are not necessarily on scholarship? So there was one particular guy, Abdul um, Ladji, who was actually from. Um it's in Providence College, and he was running well. Now he's always been running well, so uh, even last year on the track and whatever. So he was always going to be somebody who that would probably make the team. Um, Carl was sixth. He kind of realised, I suppose, in that moment that sixth wasn't good enough. Um, so you know, you are pretty much you're disappointed. You st- he still ran phenomenally. Um, you know, resigned himself to the fact that it was the under-19 championships he was prepared for, uh, he was preparing for. So, yeah, night before, simple as that. You're, you're. He was reserve anyhow. He was named reserve. Yeah. So, but like, reserve means nothing. It's, it's you want to be on that team. And it's a really one in a million chance that somebody gets injured at that late stage. So to have that happen was kind of like, oh, it was phenomenal for Cahill. Um, and, you know, like, Cahill has been one of these athletes who can kind of, he's always been running. He's been running since, since you know, under 11, 12 championship, mm. um, probably before that in terms of little athletics. But he um, he kind of gradually came up through the ranks and didn't really start to make it until about two years ago. He made it in the steeplechase, albeit with lesser number of athletes. But when it came to the actual, and that's no way taking it from him, but it's just the competitive races in his age group were always the middle distance races, you know, the 3000s, the 1500s. And really on the track, it's only this year that he started to show um show promise on the track and, you know, coming into cross country he had the you know, the experience and, you know, the the Great track season that he came off of as well behind him. Um, so yeah, he got that call on the Saturday night, um, and basically it was all prep mode from there in. But and it's,
17: it's not it's not a bad call to get. I mean, if you go from the disappointment of of the the sixth place finish and, and missing out, getting that call on the Saturday, and then by Sunday you're a European silver medalist. Oh, that, that's absolutely. that's a, that's a huge like for but for for him even using that as a jumping off platform and going that that's a serious mark to get on your CV.
16: Of course it is, and he. You you know, the beauty of it is he's eligible for that race next year as indeed are I think all of them except one guy so out of the six that qualified there is only one person who's not eligible next year so you know that considering they got second and were only beaten by one point and Nicholas Griggs who was our main contender actually ended up with um, a stitch in his side for the last 2 to 3k so when you take all of that into consideration I mean Ireland stands a phenomenal chance of winning next year mm-hmm. and there's probably going to be new players that come into the. As well, so you know you can only go upwards from here.
17: And you had Ava Richardson was involved as well. Did she do a good account of herself and Gore in the previous week?
16: Yeah, so you know, Ava Ava has been um, on scholarship in the states. She finished her scholarship in June, um, so she's been kind of now in a pro contract um, in New York with Mary Kane. Um, so she's kind of coming into a new phase of her life and it's it can be a very difficult phase for athletes in the sense you have the structure of the scholarship, everything's provided for and all of a sudden when you finish that university experience, she was in San Francisco, um, you're kind of left to your own devices unless you get a pro contract. Now I spoke to Ava um, a few days before her um, her race in Abbottstown and she, she did mention that her coaches in San Francisco were very good to her and even though she was injured, they still kept in touch with her she could join their sessions so that doesn't happen in every university mm-hmm. but it was pretty good to even have that one lifeline because you are really toughed out of a programme you know you have to find your own accommodation your physios are not paid for you know all those things that you kind of take for granted for four years no longer happen so having that coach that gives you a lifeline was extremely important to Ava um, she got the contract in New York shipped herself off to New York um, has structure but she was coming on the back of a 12 week in that she happened when she was um, preparing for the track and field in the summer. So yeah, she she finished 23rd um, and when you think about the curtailment of her preparation versus two years ago mm-hmm. when she finished 17th it's not that much behind. So she was, every every week made a difference to her. So those three weeks at home were a huge, um, of huge importance for Eva and her preparation. You know, she did very well, and the women's team were fourth. Um, you know, Finula Britton, I have to mention her in the sense that one week ago, she was in the marathon in Valencia, finished fifth, two minute PB. I like to come around and within one week, run as she did. Now, okay, two years ago, she was fourth. Mm. But, I mean, that's still ninth place. You know, that's pretty phenomenal um, in, in such a, a week turnaround from a marathon, you know.
17: Do, uh, do we know where it's going to be held next year?
16: Yeah, it's Turin. Okay. Turin initially, yeah.
17: Okay, so there's, there's going to be a lot of lot of preparation that's going to be involved there. Um, so, uh, what's what's the story then, kind of um, locally over the winter and heading into the January side of things? Are things shutting down at this stage on on the down low? People go into their kind of little hibernation, or
16: yeah, I suppose there's a few things that have happened. One, the All Irelands were early this year, so fifth of December. So that means that people got an early break. You probably find most clubs, you know, most people take two weeks off, three mm. weeks off, depending on your age. Um, so for the majority of athletes, they've been on a break, unless you're like Evan Call. Um A few people will be preparing for road races. Um, I know Brona Kearns, for example, St. Sennans, is doing a road race down in Cork this weekend, which is a pretty big one. Um, it's not a championship or any. So. so a few people will run on till Christmas, take their break over Christmas and then come back again in, you know, take 10 days or whatever they're taking off. Some people take a week. Just depends on their programme. Um, I think what you'll find on the back of the European cross country, I know certainly within our club any of the kids who went up were so motivated watching those races it's always
17: the and they way, didn't want to yeah.
16: yeah and they just didn't want to take their break <laughs> you know and'm there no you are taking a break you need your body needs to recover yeah. but I tell you it's a, it's a tough struggle with them at this point because just watching Ingel, you know um Jacob Ingle Britson and you know even Carolina uh, goverdal you know the other Norwegian in the, in the senior women's race or even you know seeing Call out there racing like they they were just all like gung ho to get their runners on and go training that evening before they went home.
17: But that like that's that's got to be surely something special about having it in Abbotstown. Like it's you know oh, yeah. in the grand scheme of things, it's a stone's throw from anything. So they can go to the event and they can see what's there. They can stand on the side and yeah. they can you know everybody's within reach. and Go okay. Well, I I know that you know I'm running at under nines or under tens or under elevens. But give me a couple of years, you know that very easily could be me.
16: Well, there was an un- there was a nine-year-old up there from, uh, He's the, his, she's the daughter of one of the guys in our club and oh my God, she knew everything. <laughs> it was just amazing. She was so into it. Because when you think of it from a nine-year-old, like these are people from different countries. The mm-hmm. fact they're in different countries is a big step up from seeing just the Irish athletes. And then you've heard some of the big names would have been naturally heard in the household. And she was just amazed. You know, she was so into it. You know, so let alone like, you know, 16, 17, 18-year-olds, like this is a year old who just wanted to run the whole time. But I think I think that whole European cross-country being in Dublin has changed the perspective for a lot of athletes for mm. coming into next year. It's given them a huge motivation and the willingness to want to get back because sometimes Christmas can produce that lazy feeling. So that probably has changed things a little bit for them. And I hope you know we've had COVID interrupt everybody's training and I can only hope that you know this is a little bit of motivation and inspiration that all those athletes, athletes really do need um, so yeah They, most people would be training for the indoors um, the 16th of January is the county indoors again I suppose we're at the mercy of you know everything that's happening at the moment um, to whether indoors will happen Sure. you know um, irrespective of indoors there's the outdoors and the fact that they went ahead last year I don't see a problem in them being held this year um, so the, there's full programs as intermediate cross country for the the seniors. Um, there's, there's still lots going on schools cross country. Um, there's lots of road races coming up for a lot of the middle distance athletes. Um, you'll have road races, you know, whether it's Leinster or All Ireland's over five k or three k, mm-hmm. whatever the appropriate distance is. Um, there, there's plenty, plenty before the before the track season begins. Well,
17: pl- plenty for that. Can I can I ask you and not to not to put you on the hop, but I've, I've been looking at it from. Um, I've been looking at it from the GA side of things and from the, the rugby side of things as well. With all of these events uh, and all the preparations, whether it's indoors or outdoors or, or track or cross-country, um, there's uh, costs involved, there's running costs involved. Uh, and earlier this week, possibly earlier this week, um, we'd heard of the, the big kicker from Sport Ireland. So there was €80 million Euro that was going to be dropped between... Uh, all you know different grades of sports Athletics Ireland are going to pick up about 600, 650,000 euro and that's going to hopefully trickle down to clubs uh, as part of this kind of post-pandemic COVID recovery yeah. type of thing do we know if, if that's if that's coming down to, to local level or are, are clubs expecting funding for well, support for next year?
16: I suppose the funding will be put out there and everybody has to apply mm. and I suppose that's the diplomatic answer to that yeah. because there is no straight answer in the sense that nobody can determine what's going who's going to get what. I think what you have to look at is why is this funding happening and the athletic scene has changed dramatically from twenty thirty years ago in the sense that there's now clubs that own their own premises and they own their own tracks and many of these clubs have big mortgages or big loans mm-hmm. out on of these premises. They're run as businesses. So if you're running an athletic track or uh, you know, clubhouse as a business you've been left pretty much just like any business would be in Kilcay- Kenny or the surrounding areas you've been without an income for a substantial period of time and they have to try and recoup that somehow and I suppose maybe one thing I can say from Athletics versus GAA is that the GEA seemed to hold events I mean you had 40,000 in Croke Park for the All-Irelands the very same weekend that Athletics Ireland held some of their national championships where you're only limited to 200 people mm. so you know there's a huge stark reality of what's happening between the different for- sports um, a lot of that comes from where your funding source is for example Athletics Ireland relies on Sport Ireland where the GEA has some of its own funding sure. so that that's where you get those dynamics but I think and I suppose I'm, I'm probably speaking out a little bit too much here. But there's an awful lot of inconsistencies in how these regulations are imposed within Ireland, both in sport and outside sport. And you kind of have to sit back and look and say, what is the reality of what we should be doing? I mean, I certainly feel that if you look on an overall perspective, funding is needed. But more importantly, I think it's the, just the surety that sport can continue because sport has been a lifeline for a lot of people, mm. particularly around mental health. And if you can't, con- con- you know, our health system is collapsing around us. So if you can't continue with the one thing that from a health perspective is actually working, I mean, we're at a complete loss. So. I would almost say it's important for, you know, with the general athletics locally that we continue with our sport and continue to operate as normal, you know, within the reams of what we can do in that.
17: Optimistic for 2022?
16: I think so. I think the fact that 2021 went ahead. I mean, 2020 was like everybody was facing into the unknown and there was a fear factor with an awful lot of people. Um, 2021, I suppose, we kind of eased into that whole thing of let's see what we can do. Waters were tested towards the end of 2020. Um things started to work so you know things did happen with some s- minor re- restrictions in athletics anyhow um, so yeah I think 2022 certainly for the outdoor championships and ultimately the cross country I think things can happen and you know funding you, you just to go back to the funding issue I mean funding will come And I think people have to, I suppose, be careful what they're asking for and use what they get Mm. to, you know, to their own advantage to make things work for them with the minds that we could be in this for another year or two or longer, you know. Um, So, yeah.
17: Well, on that note, uh, Perry Williams, thanks a million for taking the time uh, to drop in. Uh, Merry Christmas to you and yours.
16: And likewise. And
17: uh, we look forward to chatting and and keeping the conversation going in January.
16: Yes, absolutely. See you then. Happy Christmas. Cheers. (laughs) Cheers.
0: And that's it for Scoreline Extra. But it's not it for Scoreline because you can log on to scoreline.ie Monday to Monday. Yes, we're there every day putting up the latest sports stories, particularly from a local level. So keep an eye out there and listen to us next week. It will be Christmas Day, so there will be no Scoreline on Saturday. But on Sunday, Stephens' Day, some in England call it Boxing Day, of course we'll be here live, giving you a rundown on everything that is happening in the sporting world. Until then, stay safe, stay sane, your sound out.